I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to start the show. Jason David Frank, gentlemen, welcome to the show. What is up, Mr. Jason David Frank? How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Good uh, morphin' time. Cue, cue that there. up, son. What's up? I figured that was my action cue. <laughs> I was waiting for the next thing, but we're live. Thanks for joining me and everywhere. So guys and gals, uh, some of you watching live tonight, some of you are downloaded. I've downloaded this as a podcast, checking it out. Our good friend Jason David Frank is joining us tonight. Jason is best known as a Power Ranger. I say a Power Ranger because I believe you were five different colors. Yep, with Lord Draken out six. Six. Jesus too many to keep track. Man. Too many to keep track. Talk about of. schizophrenia. Yeah, I, all different personalities. Well, I mean, I got three: Jason, David, Frank, all different, depending on the day. <laughs> Nick, you know them all, I believe. <laughs> and I think I've met them all at least. Yeah, yeah you met them all. Yeah. And uh, actually, we met through skydiving. Yeah. So I started skydiving in 97. I think you started at the same time. Uh, yeah. Yep. About 98. 98. 98. And uh, when did you start again? Maybe 2012, 2011? Yeah. When I came back. Uh, losing track of time. That's That sounds about right. Yeah. So I was at the drop zone one day, and I don't know if you knew this, Nick, but... Uh, uh, DQ and a couple buddies run up to me, go like, "Yo, yo, yo, man! The White Power Ranger, the guy who sky surfed, is here at the drop zone today." And his stunt double in movie, a guy named Christian Rendell, was a right. buddy of mine. So I'm looking all over the place, like, "Hey, where's Christian at? Super cool dude, super nice Australian fella." And uh, I can't find him, man. I can't find him. And finally, I'm like, "You guys are crazy. There's no White Power Ranger here." And Dude, you didn't see me do the skyboard in the movie, man? What's wrong with you? That was me. Yeah. No, Christian, sorry. He still goes by the White Ranger in Elsinore, by the way. They Dude. still call him that. Oh, dude, I would never let him live it down, man. That is such a cool thing, A, to have done, to yeah. do movie stunts, yeah. and then B, to do such a popular character. It was cool. And then uh, they like, no, no, the actual White Power Ranger guy, not, not the stunt double, Jason David Frank is here, and you were working with my wife that day, you and your wife. Yep. Uh, we're working with Valerie and getting current on skydiving again. That's right. So you started jumping in 98? Yeah. It's funny because it, your story is almost opposite when I started jumping in Cal City. Christian was known as the White Ranger. Yeah, yeah. So he was the guy. So when they're like, the White Ranger's here, they're like, yeah, cool. I'm like, no, man, that's me. Like, he, was, <laughs> he was my stunt double, you know? So it was the opposite story Yeah. Uh, back then. And um, so, I mean, obviously, I, I think people that are just watching, especially on my Facebook page, I know you guys get this all the time. Man, I want to try that, or I want to try the board. I want to try, you know, uh, you know, wings and all that stuff. And yeah, it's you super ever fly hard. One of them wingsuits, yeah. not plugged. Or in I want to try it. I want to go to Norway and. Uh, <laughs> My I bad. I want to try it. Are we? Are we? We plugged in. Are we good? People uh, watching or no? No, we're, we're all good with a live stream. Oh, okay. uh, this is an audio podcast, oh, and the okay. recording studio was fine, but it almost died. Okay. Because the Asian. Messed up the computer. That would be me. <laughs> good, good catch, Justin. You know what's funny? If I was sitting in that seat, I would just totally let it die and be like, "Yo, we're not getting this one." 
Sorry. <laughs> we missed it. I got it. a big giant warning. Your battery's running low. Ninja reflex is over here, Nick. That's why he's the ninja reflex. He is the ninja behind you the You will be the ninja man. sleep. He's a ginger. Ginger, ginger reflexes. Yes. That's right. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So But uh we did so I did the movie and obviously everyone watching it wasn't me in the movie cuz that's super hard to do. I still have not yet the sky surf. Uh, I'd like to just, you know, go out of control, snap a picture, enlarge it. And look cool the Hollywood way, but uh, <laughs> I got involved. I mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, I was under canopy, and I look at the movie now and I wonder why we didn't have consultants on the film, like skydiver consultants, like you know, to, to help us with the toggles and really look like we know what we're doing. Because I'm landing in the movie, I'm like, hey, hey, and it just and then I land, and uh, so we were you know wired up on, under canopy. Well, it wasn't canopy; it was a big you know wire wire looking canopy with harnesses and. Uh, I watch that movie now, and we're coming in. They're like, just, you know, land. I had no clue what it was, and I was like, yay. Just land. All right, yeah, <laughs> you know. I'm an actor. You're fine. And so when I watch it now, I'm like, oh. But I, I did get interested because of that. I, I wonder if maybe they had consultants, but uh, you've seen the movie Drops Own Terminal Velocity. Yeah. Uh, a fellow named Guy Manos was involved with a lot of those, owned Skydive Miami at some point. And he eventually had a movie called Cutaway. Did you ever see that I one? I see, yes. Super, super, like, yeah. uh, horrible movie, but my favorite movie at the same time. <laughs> and uh, the reason Guy did that is Hollywood likes to dramatize and make things yeah. look over dramatic. So, you know, like when we watch a TV show and they're driving a car, they're driving a car yeah, like they no look kidding. drunk. Yeah, man. yeah, no kidding. So they, they might have had it. And they, they, just, they probably did. I just wasn't in a skydiving at the time. No. So And as an actor, I didn't say, hey, uh, is this legit? I was like, it's totally fine. Do you Like most people, just jump out of the plane, pull a chute, and then just land. It's not that easy, right? <laughs> you, you think a lot of people probably think that you actually did those stuff. Oh, of course. Right? Yeah, oh, everybody's yeah. watching so, on Facebook. I mean, you, fooled, you fooled them, right? Yeah, totally. Don't be, don't, don't be crushed. You're crushed everyone's <laughs> dreams now. No, that's Christian's thing. But I do, till this day, at cons around the world, hey, that skydiving thing you did was awesome. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> you know. And, and, and here's the reason why, too. It doesn't matter what it is. You film the, the movie, you die, there's no movie. They protect their actors and they protect their millions of dollar investment, like lock them in a room with pads and nothing happened to them. And I, of course, got hurt just doing crazy stunts with my friend Johnny. So that didn't work. But uh, skydiving, yeah, would not be one of those things (laughs) that he would do. Did you have an interest in skydiving at this point, like when this movie came out? Not really. Not really. I, I was, I think as an actor... I was more frustrated that I had a stunt double because I don't like stunt doubles. And so, I, you know, I, the, the fighting, I was like, oh, man, I get really, as an actor, I'm like, I want to be able to do that. And I didn't think I said that, but maybe implied it. I don't, I don't really know. I didn't know much about skydiving either. Hang on. I, so, I, I want to go back a little bit then. So were, were you into martial arts before the Power Rangers uh, deal came along? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, that's I, what I thought. Yeah, I was training at the age of four, national-rated competitor, um, and then... I was. I tell everyone. I think people know this. If you, if you don't know, you know, my dad taught me to be pretty persistent. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't like to get bullied by people, and I'm a man of my word. I really believe in that. I tell you guys, I'm coming. I'm looking at my schedule, going, yeah, I gotta be there. That's just. I'm just a man of my word, but I'm also persistent. And when I was uh, 18, I had a ponytail. I owned my first karate school. I was a third degree black belt at the time, national rated competitor. I went to an agency. You probably regret it now, suckers. Went to an agency <laughs> uh, and um, kids management or something like that. And I was dealing with these two individuals. And I went up to them and I said, hey, I really want to be an actor. And they said, um, great. 
you just need to clean up your act. I mean, you look at you. You got long hair. You're wearing earrings. Like, how are we going to book you on something? You don't even look like an everyday normal kid next door. And uh, I said, well, I am. And they said, well, you got to cut your hair. And I was like, I don't know if I want to cut my hair. We talked about shaving beards, right? Yeah, yeah. So just imagine having long hair my whole life and cutting the ponytail away. Like you were saying, when you cut your beard, what happens? People... People freak you. out, man. They're like, what's going on? What's wrong? What happened? What do you cut off the beard for? <laughs> Every day, everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, so when I cut my hair, I cut it, cut the ponytail off, felt really weird about it, took my earrings out. I went with one of my black belts at this uh, this agency, and um, I went in, and this guy, TJ, was like like this. I said, hey, I'm booking a Coca-Cola commercial. I don't have time right now. And I was like, so I cut my hair. Oh, I don't have t- this whole thing. And I said, well, hold on, dude. I cut my hair. And I said, and you said you're representing me. Now I cut my hair, lost my earrings. I have short hair, and you're telling me you're not representing me? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm saying. And I went, hmm. okay, well, uh, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> I remember that. And he told my black belt, can you tell your? Can you stand in the hallway? And I, uh, I told one of my black belts, no, no, you can stay, stand right here. I said, that's my black belt. So I was frustrated because the guy just totally was like not representing me. So he frantically looked around, talk about bullying. <laughs> he totally frantically looked around and said, here, I got this. It's karate right up your alley. It's called Phantoms. And so I took the script. That's originally what it was in the breakdowns was Phantoms. So I took the script and I said, okay, cool. And I booked the show. And then it went into lawsuits and it went into all this crazy stuff. I went back and I was like, you know, and they're like, we want 15% of it. I was like, it's fine. I don't care. I just love acting. I don't care. If you want that, that's fine. Whatever. Um, you know, did did the contract. And then I was about to sign it. Then it, then it was like this word, <laughs> really big with words, but it was like forever, like 15% for whatever you get from this. And I was like, nope, that's not the deal. So they went to court. And they had all these attorneys, and I represented myself. I was like 19. I you know, I mean, at that time, the show, was, we, we, I mean, we, we were new at the show, so it wasn't like big paying money at the time. And so I went to court myself and seen a lot of movies. And uh, I said, I'm representing myself. And then they had this whole team over there and fighting over stuff. And they showed me the evidence of the paper was on yellow. And I was like, okay, I never signed anything with you guys, so I don't really care. I was really confident. And then when the paper was turned into the courts, to the judge, it was like blue paper or something. And I told your honor, I said, your honor, I didn't see that. And they're like, they're supposed to show you everything before the case. I said, well, I've never seen it. And they said, well, we transferred what was on the yellow paper to the blue paper. And they said, has he seen it? And they said, no. And they said, case dismissed. So I walked out, you know, thinking, okay, this, I'm not getting bullied by Hollywood. And then I grew my hair back and I grew a ponytail and I left my earrings in. So I kind of got my way anyway. And uh, I think I think the Hollywood had this you know, uh, idea of this is the way you should look. But that show was different. I went in there for the audition. Uh, I, I said, you know, I went in there and every actor, like we talk about skydiving in the movie, they would annoy you. You'd be like, dude, chest strap. Well, guys, like, it's fine. I'm an actor. I know how to do this. And that's how, <laughs> that's how the audition was. Every actor was, they thought they knew karate. So I looked at their belt. Their belt was tied wrong. And I was just looking at the whole entire room. And I was nervous. I don't know the word Zordon, all this other stuff I had to read for. <laughs> like I had, you know, honestly, honest to God, and I tell people when it was the Green Ranger, I was reading for a role, a ranger, and I was thinking, you know, like a forest ranger. 
You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm going to fight with Smokey the Bear or something. I really felt like that. That's I was awesome. thinking. And so I went in. I had no this Zordon. It was like some, you know, the whole script. And I said, okay, let's just get this over with. Zordon, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, perform. And I was like, oh, yeah. So just, bam, did this whole kata. And ba ba bam, you know. And they've never seen that 25 years ago. Were you making your own sound effects oh, yeah. like that? I was doing the key eyes. Well, you know what's interesting about the key eyes? The uh, this kind of ki yeah. is a trademark ki around the world, and there's only two martial artists that has a trademark ki. When kids come up and they're like, "Do that thing," when I was a kid, I'm like, "What my ki?" That like I did on one of the projects I can't talk about, but the cartoon yeah, that's yeah. recognizable. But only Bruce Lee had that ki. None of the other karate's had that trademark ki. They had kicks, but they didn't have karate. So Van Damme, you had a kick, but that's another story. You said two people have a trademark well, Kiai. Yeah, I was doing my Kiai's back in the day yeah. that they know me for that, and Bruce Lee. So you oh, and Bruce Lee. That's Man, what kind of company is that to be dude, in? Dude, I was like, I just thought about that's it. Someone, sick. someone brought it to my attention, and I was like, wow, because people ask me all the time, do the Kiai, and I did the Kiai's like that, and then it was silent, and I was like looking, it was just silent, and literally, it was like that Bruce Lee movie that I saw, I forgot which one it was, auditioning for Cato, I think it was. That's how I can explain it. Producers were like, can you come back tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, I sure can. And then I went back the next day, and it was me and 10 girls. Like, And so I was thinking, man, this competition, is, I'm going to have to be like, you know, I'm going to take out some girls. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I want this role. So we went in there, and I was looking for the guys. There was no guys at all, and it was all girls. So they said, hey, Jason, come here real quick. I'm thinking, I got a job, and they're like, can you teach one of the girls karate? <laughs> Just real quick. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, I'll teach her a routine, and now I'm sweating. I'm thinking, man, I hope I get this job because, you know, I'm a karate teacher, and now I'm teaching, and I don't know what I'm, you know, I don't know if I should teach her the good moves because she'll replace me, or I should just teach her bad moves. But I taught her good, and that was Twee, and that was who who, who booked as the, the Yellow, Yellow Ranger. Ranger. Yeah. She was casted before, and then she was recasted. So Twee came on the show, and we got the parts, and that was it. And I was the new guy on the show. I was in episode number 14. I showed up to set, uh, and at that time, when Power Rangers was, it was great because you had the jock, Red Ranger, you got the smart kid, you got Zach, who's hip-hop keto. Everybody say, why does the black have to be the black ranger? <laughs> and for my whole life, why is the black guy the black ranger? I, I honestly why? was going to ask why know, the Asian dude. girl was the yellow I, ranger. That's, that's, what what that's what I was saying, you know? So, so uh, you know, then I was the white ranger. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> but it had nothing to do with that. When the, I do talk to the owners afterwards, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was just one of those things. Look in the movie. You know, the, the, we thought the black ranger, he, the blue ranger is the black guy. You know, so they kind of switch it up. I told them, don't switch it. That's like our trademark, dude. Do it now. Everyone's too scared. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're going to switch. But, you know, back in the days, and that's kind of how I got my role. So I tell people, I think persistence uh, is important. You know, just don't take, I wouldn't say take a no, but if you, you know, you might want to question them. How come? We made a deal. What happened? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and I know some people are understanding but on the end of the day, if I didn't make the, the radio show, you guys would understand, but it would be like, ugh, that sucks. Yeah. You know, you already have three replacements already in the living room. I already see Dude, all Dude, don't three. talk about those girls, man. <laughs> man, come on, don't give away my secrets. Oh, now I'm replaced by girls. What, one of the things that stands out to me is people constantly hear the word no, yeah. and then they just get upset. They get mad. They take offense. You're told no, and you say, why not? What do I need to do? Right. 
but then you follow up, and, and that that stands out. Some there's a few things about your personality I want to talk about tonight, and one of them is is when you're told there's a problem or you're told there's a flaw, you don't take it personally in a bad way. You take yeah. it personally as you build a mission. Nick is the same way. Yeah, you guys definitely go. Oh, well, I can fix that. I can get better at it, man. How important is it that people understand that in themselves? Yeah, well, I think that's that's the key with all three of you guys sitting here. With you running your canopy course, I remember taking that. It learned a lot, can still take it, can still learn a lot, but I don't take anything for granted. You know, you with doing what you're doing in the tunnels, you're awesome. You're awesome camera guy, but I think that we strive to always be better or we're just not going to be... We're not going to be what we expect. I think our expectations, at least for me, and I know for you guys, and especially for your courses consistently, you want people to be safe. You want to educate people. And I've learned a lot, like, just in your classes. And for you, you want to be the best you can. You know, that shot can be better. I'm like, oh, it looks good to me. Well, can this and that. And just in life, you know, um, that we talked about as, as much as I know you with doing your disciplines and your sports and stuff. Um it's important. I think we don't grow. I, in karate, I can look at a demo and I think, ah, that just wasn't, you know, and people are like, dude, I would like die to be half as good. I'm like, well, yeah, I got it. But you're not going to be half as good <laughs> without training. And I'm per, I'm per perfectionist, you know, something that yeah. will look good for them won't be good enough. Someone that can land safe and you've seen it before. Uh, the canopy course, dude, did you just see me land? Did you? Yeah, I kind of did. But I, you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing where yeah. it's like, yeah, I did see you. That's why I'm asking you, did you want to take a course? No, bro, I'm fine. <laughs> Next thing, you break yourself. You come to you, hey, DJ, can I take your course? I think you have to recognize skill and the masters of any sport that you do. I think those masters don't get enough credit, but also the humbling masters that don't just, you know, go to a, into a dojo, bow down, go to a drop zone, blah, blah. Some can be like that, and I know safety is an issue, but uh, I like to be part of people that can teach you without, I guess, uh, making you feel stupid, I guess, you know? It's so hard. You're, I, I watched you teach, and I watched you train in the dojo, uh, Rising Sun Karate, schools yeah. you own, and I like the way you teach. I like the way you speak. I'm the same way. We don't tell people you can't do that. We don't pe tell people what they shouldn't do. We tell them, if you want to do that, here is the way to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important that teachers and communicators understand saying no, saying don't. People don't like those words. People yeah. don't want to be told they can't. Yep. They love being taught how they can. Yeah. And, and very few people communicate that well. Yeah. And, and that's the, the thing, I think, being on tour for so many years, doing so many shows, I tend to talk a lot. So I don't, my, my, my I, at ADD, my, my things are scattered. And on the end of the conversation, they're like, hey, what can you leave us with? And I'm like, how long do I got? And they're like, 60 seconds. I'm like, God, I need like five <laughs> minutes. They're like, we ain't got five minutes. Shorten it, shorten it, shorten it. So I was forced to take philosophy and just shorten it to give a very basic, simple, uh, you know, um, explanation of, of, I think, life. The secret to life is, like you were saying, you know, always say I can, always say I will, never say I can't, never say I won't. That's it. You know, if you look and you say, I can't, how about you go up there? I can't do this, DJ. I can't do this. Uh, I can't. You can, dude. I'm strapped to you. We're about to jump from the plane. I can't. I can. You don't make me feel confident, man. You, you can do this. I don't think so. You know, so you got to give them the confidence to say, you, you might have people say, I can't do it. And then you comfort them to, yeah, I can. I can. And that's what I like about wind tunnels. 
you know, I'm not all confident in there or the skydive. And I, I like to look for experts to help me feel confident. Don't think I'd never say, I, I can't, I can't. You have those thoughts, but those thoughts can just mentally tear you down, especially in the martial arts training. You can't go in a fight think, I can't, I can't, I can't. You have no time. You can't go and skydive and go, I can't pull my parachute. I can't. <laughs> those thoughts shouldn't come to your head, right? So, I mean, that's, I think that's what you were saying about the teaching. Teach them how to, how can you, versus you can't do that. One of, the, one of the things that stands out with that is uh, a lot of your fans have talked to you at, at these Comic-Cons and at these different conventions. And even as we've advertised this show, people talk about skydiving. And so many of your fans and so many of our friends say, I can't do it. I want to go skydiving, but I just can't. I can't get out the door. And at some point, all three of us, all four of us, Justin, have decided to make a skydive. Yeah. Uh, Christian in the, in the movie, I believe, is what got you into skydiving. But yeah. what finally, what thought process finally took you there? Oh, man. Um, I started in Cal City. Uh, I'd never done a tandem before, so I'm curious to see what the tandem feels like. Probably terrifying. How now. old are you at this point? Um, I was in 98, so I just turned 45. Do the math. I'm old. I can't figure it out. I was just uh, yeah, I was uh, 24. Yeah, so I was. We're the same age, Uncle. Yeah. Do the math that way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing, you know, just came, just literally, just yeah. came from doing the movie, and uh, I was like, man, I want to get in skydiving. So then I hit up Cal City, and my energy drinks, and I got pumped up, and it made me more terrifying <laughs> after learning you guys saying you guys need to chill you need to relax you don't need to be like oh, you know and stiff and and so anyway i learned but i went to cal city uh jumped out of cessna's i got nine jumps trained with a guy by the name of bob down there bob was my coach and i'm glad everything's clicking because the whole time here i'm thinking okay name so it's all clicking bob was my coach back then who owned cal city mm -hmm. jump cessna's Nine jumps at that time, you know, and that was it. I was licensed. Cessna, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, it's a small airplane, seats four people usually. Yep. So it's a, a smaller jump plane, but a lot of a lot of skydiving operations in the country look that way. Yeah. Small, small places. It's old school. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's kind of like going to that old dojo and not having the air conditioner and not having all that stuff. So I appreciated it. The third jump, I was on there with the tandem my third jump and we're learning all those procedures to like jump and you know i'm just everything's in my head so the plane engine blows like it stops and so i'm like oh do we jump i'm looking he's like my instructor's relaxed you know like you guys relax we're, we're gonna we're gonna land i'm like should we jump i'm on red bull red bull didn't exist back then it was those <laughs> thermal speed that they outlawed all <laughs> they outlawed every ingredients did, in that did you ever have jolt cola jolt yeah that's, jolt. The, that's the stuff i was on before energy drinks were a thing jolt I was in the hardcore thermal speed stuff that was like, ah, should we jump? Should we jump? He's like, relax. <laughs> so we landed, and the tandem came out, and she's like, does this happen all the time? And then I had to kind of make her feel, yeah, yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll get on yeah. the other plane. But yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those things, and then that's where I got my license from. And then obviously I was jumping at Elsinore, but then Paris became my drop zone, my home drop zone at that time. And um, Jim Wallace, all those guys, I would, I would go and try to shoot videos for people and People complain they can't see, you know, they, you can't see me. I'm like, dude, it's free. What do you expect, man? Like, <laughs> you know, if you want a video, then pay a trained guy to do it. So uh, I, would, I would train with Jim, and I remember around 80-something uh, jumps, I jumped a, a festival, a carnival uh, in um, Camarillo. I had cans. I didn't know what was going on. I was jumping of a tri-motor, and he's like, you'll be fine. We're going to do this demo. And I don't know about licenses and rules back then, but I remember jumping and popping a can and, doing this 
you know, this whole demo, and I actually landed really well. I think I did. <laughs> I, I was I walking away. I landed really well uh, in the festival, and you know, Tammy and the kids, or everyone was down there. But I think Gary, one of the coaches, had this sign that if you do a demo and you break your leg, just it's this. Like you just pull your ear and don't freak people out. And I'm like. Dude, if I break my leg, I'm probably just not going to be pulling my ear. That's you know? so funny. It's part of a briefing for a demo. Hey, if you break your leg, just rub your face. Oh, Dude, like, it, was like, it was like old school. You know, it was old school back yeah, in, I, get, in, I get it. It makes it, sense. Don't tell anybody. But I mean, if that's what you're talking about before you're jumping into a demo, hey, man, you probably should have prepared some other stuff. 98. I don't even remember Canopy. I don't even remember which directions. We landed everywhere in Paris. We just landed everywhere. There was, you know, at that time, like we were pulling place. I mean, this is the things I'm getting from coaches, not necessarily, you know, I'm a newbie, so I'm learning to do what they do. So I thought, cool, in my dojo, you can't show pain, you get kicked, don't, like, do this, you know what I mean? You get hit, you get knocked, you don't show that. And I tell my guys, and they're like, okay, so I was thinking that's, that's kind of like this, you know? So I guess I could try that. But, um, but yeah, it was back in those days, and, and um, back when you can de-license with 200 jumps, you know? And uh, I did night jumps and all that stuff. And so I was, uh, I think, uh, a, a Jim Wallace drop zone guy. At that time, I would jump a little bit. I don't drink. I haven't drank in seven years. But back then, we'd jump, have one beer or whatever, and then just, uh, you know, be happy with two jumps at that time and just BS and talk to people and hang out. And that's kind of that's what it was. And then the Fly Boys, I met them. And uh, Shaylin at Structure Fire, we talked about all that. I got coaching. All that, and that's when free flyers were kind of weird or whatever. And uh, were still are, yeah, still are. <laughs> but I had like the baggy. You know, when I came to when I came onto onto uh, to skydive, and I had all that all the top stuff. So people probably thought like this guy's legit. People asking me things on the airplane. I'm like, you know, yeah, cool. Is that check this? You're good. You know, like, <laughs> what, what do you want me to check? I you just know? had the money to buy the gear. <laughs> well, you know, I look like I was—I look like I was a pro. Put it that way. That's and, every uh, skydiver with fifty jumps now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no. dude, Nick, do you the, know the name Jim Wallace? I know his name. Wasn't he a USPA president or something? Uh, I don't think he was ever president, but Jim Wallace for a long time owned Skydive Elsinore, and in around 1997, 98, I believe it was ninety-eight, sold it to a guy named John Hamilton and Carl. Uh, and uh, then opened his own school at Paris Valley, which yep. was very unique because okay. Paris Valley yep. had their own school and another yep. uh, skydiving school at the same place. So Jim has been such, Jim and Gail, yep. such a huge part of the heritage of the sport and, and the learning of the sport. Yep. And I remember uh, Joe, one of the photographers that worked for Jim Wallace, and I'm only bringing this up because all the skydivers want to learn how to fight and stuff. So Joe was like, hey, man, what's it like to be choked out? And I was like, we got in a little bit of a scuffle for fun and uh and he wanted to see what was choking out and it's what we do you know you just put your arm up whatever you want to do and then when you're dropping the arm it's like you know i don't want to feel like that but some people think it's cool i remember we're in the <laughs> middle yeah we're in the middle of like you know doing all this stuff so at that time it was like karate and skydiving so i would really have fun with the guys and kind of teach a few things down on the ground nothing too crazy but uh they i think they always were, were you know when you go somewhere i'm sure people would might not want to skydive, but they're pulling some information. Like, so what's it feel? And, you know, kind of just, you know, flirting around with the idea of skydiving. And so I've got some people involved in there. But it was a great time. I was more at, you said, gym school. And, Gail, I was mm -hmm. just down there. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about gear. I know I had the top, top of the line gear at one point. 
And then I know uh, Tammy was skydiving, so I was like, it's cheap. Just, you know, she's my girlfriend. Like, I don't know, give her a dolphin container or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I showed back up with that dolphin. <laughs> you know, all this all this stuff. And I'm just saying, not just at that time, but, like, I spent under 1500 for, like, a rig that probably wasn't even free fly ready because no one really did that back then anyway. More tumbling, yeah. I would say. You know. <laughs> we definitely didn't have the same equipment. So a lot of your fans listening, that they might not know how to get to a drop zone. And first of all, the day and age that you and I started in, it was definitely a little bit more rogue, a little more yeah. renegade. And it's a much safer environment right now. Um, yeah. Most places in the country, in the United States, you can call 1-800-SKYDIVE. Um, and it'll connect you to the nearest drop zone to the area code you're calling from. So like if you have a Cali-based I phone see. and you're in Texas, you're going to get a Cali-based drop zone with 1-800-SKYDIVE. Okay. They That's they cool. invented this new thing. Uh, it's the called interwebs. Google. Yeah, internet. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Type in the city you're in plus skydiving. You're gonna find it. Yeah. Yeah. USPA is our governing body, and USPA.org. Org. Uh, check that out, and you'll find uh, ways to learn to skydive there. Yeah. Uh, go on the drop zone. Check it out. We all had to start that way, and, and people watch you jump, and yeah. and they wonder like, man, what? How how do you get that, yeah. dude? You're nobody special or different because you learned to skydive. Well, you're a little bit special. You're a little bit different if you want to jump. Yeah. But anybody can try it. Sure. And that's what I tell anyone as far as martial arts. Anyone can do anything they want. It goes back to the I can. You can if I want to train to be a basketball player, I can train probably now it's too late but at the time you can just get your skill You're what you want like, yeah but uh you know but you can you can learn not not about being a professional but you know you can learn to be good at certain things and karate was one of the things i picked at the time scott Evan was just more for fun to clear my head it wasn't a full-time thing where i put all my my time into it but there are a lot of fans that i do know have gone to jump because they see it on on tv uh you know, now with the social media that you guys have nowadays, you guys can share so much with the world. And then people has even tried I Fly Wind Tunnels just because they see it on the Instagram and, you know, want to give it a shot. So it's cool that we can encourage people to do things. And I know everyone's probably thinking, like, well, skydive is not safe. I think it's a safe sport. How many jumps do you have now? Uh, uh, roughly around 1,400, not nearly as much as you guys have. And it's very, very limited because I took a long break off. Like I was telling you, it was like a break off. <laughs> I don't do long break offs, but wait, no, I'm just kidding. I should. Took about but, 10 years. Yeah, it took years about off. 10, 10, 12 years. But, off. but as someone who's never made a skydive before, 1,400 jumps is a lot. Like uh, when I started yeah. jumping and I met someone who had 1,000 skydives, I was like, oh, you've done this 1,000 times? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a huge, huge number. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that there are definitely some really skilled skydivers that are, that, yeah. I mean, you're a skilled skydiver and you have that many jumps. Sure, the the wind tunnel time helps a lot. Oh yeah, wind tunnel is like big time. When yeah. it's someone who's thinking that this one skydive that they might do is a, is a big deal, when yeah. they hear that people have you know fourteen hundred jumps, it's yeah. probably pretty comforting. Oh, you can you can do this fourteen hundred times and yeah. you're still good. Yeah, like I, I think I can make it once. Yeah, that's true. That's why when I'm I do conventions and everyone sees, I, I will mention that number. People will be like, whoa, and I'm like, not with these guys. I'm you know when, when I'm work, talking with people like you guys, it's like fourteen. Oh, that's all you got, but. It is, it is, you know, I mean, the wind tunnels obviously help and all, but as you guys know from experiencing that the, the, the accidents don't happen in free fall. I mean, accidents usually happen under canopy. So, you know, all yeah. tunnel guys that have tunnels that want to jump or do stuff, I'm sure there's going to be a big learning curve of exiting, having that wind yes. and canopy control and being alert and being aware and being surrounded. I mean, these are things that in martial arts you can't just learn how to throw a punch, kick, and block. CM Punk, but but, but, but it takes years of training, right? And a sharp eye. So that will give you an example of you. 
Uh, <laughs> so no, but I mean, f- so flying bad. well is a small part of skydiving, right? right? Exactly what like, I'm saying. Yeah. Like even even the cultural things of like, hey, how do you ride in an airplane and yeah. not make yourself look like an asshole? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's some. It takes a lot of people a long time to learn how to sit up straight and hold still. Yep. That's a pretty simple thing, but man, I have huge respect for anyone like that. You can tell they have experience in being in an airplane and being respectful of other yep. people's gear and the and yep. the space and other people's space. Yep. Man, it's huge. And then you have someone with, you know, thirty five jumps sitting in front of you who was on a, a really light uh, otter load right. through some of their student jumps, and they've learned that they can sit back on the rig and take up all the space. And it's like, hey, there are six other people on this bench, and yeah, you're the yeah. only one who's comfortable. Right? Like, right why don't right. you open your eyes yeah. up a little bit and see what's going on? But um, I think. Do, do you feel like most of your fans know you're a skydiver? Yeah, the fans definitely know. I mean, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I started the reality show doing the, the board breaking stuff and started that, you know, years ago with My Morphin Life. We're like season, season five now, and, and now it's My Morphin Vlog. But I will say to anyone that, you know, I, I think egos hurt anyone uh, in any sport. Because I had an accident and, and it's safe, but this will give an example of how I broke my foot skydiving. I mean, I got like had pins and plates on both sides of my, my feet. Um, and then after I had an accident, I became a pilot. So I fly low wings and, and Cessnas and things like that. But I broke my foot only for one reason. I know when you guys come here and ask me what I fly. Most people have that. Well, I, and I admire all you guys that fly with the small canopies, but I'm an actor. I'm a martial artist. My life depends on me walking on my feet and my hands. I have shoulder issues, probably from the tunnels. Just me got too. two MRIs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> from the tunnels. No, I got yeah. two. Are we going to get into that <laughs> no. story? Nah. <laughs> from wingsuit. It's from a wingsuit. It's from a wing. <laughs> I got, you know, shoulder things, but I, I have to walk and land and be safe. And in the drop zone, I remember in Paris, I was happy landing in the big P. I didn't need to land the big, not the, the P, yeah, but the, the P pod. gravel. Yeah, and, and there was a small <laughs> strip of grass that some guy came up and said, hey, man, I flew 150. I uh, went to a 135. Now I'm back on a, on, a, on a 170 and a 150 that I have. It just wasn't important for me. I, I just I don't think the canopy, the swooping looks fun, but I have way too much to lose in the middle of filming bloodshot and doing all this other stuff. But I remember I got pushed to land on that grass. When I showed up that day, there was there was some major major issues at Paris. You know, uh, fatality. Someone you know it was bad. Bad. It just felt weird. The ambulance was there two times. It's, it's safe. I know I'm scaring everyone, but but uh, but back in the days, it was just a lot different. We don't have train people i think that we have now to keep people safe and correct yeah and uh i I landed on the grass but it wasn't the prettiest landing ever and i remember i tumbled and i landed i landed and the guy that told me that came was like dude are you okay and i went i landed on the grass don't don't worry about that (laughs) but i landed on the grass i had to make a point that i landed on the grass i I nailed it accurately no no (laughs) i landed on the grass yeah and i hurt myself pretty bad but uh but then i became a pilot because i needed to get back in the air uh the hardest thing i've ever done was to get my pilot license any any test or anything i've ever done was to get that pilot license for me yeah um and then you know it's kind of where we're at now so so egos do hurt a lot in any sport and i would say just you know, pridefully, I, I see people flying all these canopies and I wish like, ah, but that's where a lot of accidents happen and I'm not ready to take that break from my karate schools. Like yeah. I got one in Paraland and one in California and one in Tascacita, an affiliate in New Jersey and karate is kind of my life. New Jersey's so, a new one. Yeah, no, it's my own instructor is Tom's River. It's affiliate. Okay. That's the first one where it got started. Okay. But I guess I've always put that on in, in my head, you know, as much as I can fly smaller yeah. and be safe, it's... 
you know, I like you guys watching you all swoop and stuff. I'm a, I'm a safe, uh, you know, I mean, I like getting a little crazy. You can do some mm-hmm. good things with a 150 and stuff. I don't have to get too crazy. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys can fly anything and make it look awesome. But uh, One thing know. is egos kill skills. Yeah. And if you ever want to be good, and I want to talk a little bit about ego with you in a minute yep. because that's something you're not very good at is having an ego. You're, you're such a humble guy, and I, want, I got some stories to share about that. Yeah. But uh, uh, um, evaluate your own personal risk. Canopy coaching, one of the things I, I talk to jumpers about is, is it worth it for you? If a military man hurts himself, he can actually get in trouble for damaging government property. Uh, uh, I've known military guys, grew up military brat my whole life, and, and military contracted, and man, a sunburn, they can get in trouble. So crazy. is it worth it for you? For you, you have to make your living, not have to, you yeah. choose to make your living with your body. Yeah. And whether that's karate, whether it's looking sexy on screen, whether it's making the girls go, <laughs> Um, you choose to make that living, and you have to evaluate anything, whether it's for martial arts, whether it's for skydiving, riding a motorcycle, whatever it is. Evaluate your personal risks. Yeah. But one of the things I mentioned is is, is egos. I've, I've hung out with you a good bit off uh, outside the drop zone. We've had some fun together. Yeah. And I remember one day you telling me, hey, DJ, when we're done here, when we leave here, you have to take me away from the fans. My fans will come in and date me. My fans will come in and, and they'll, you didn't say attack yeah, me, yeah. but I'm going to say attack yeah, you. Yeah. And you have to drag me out of here. And I thought that day, and I believe I thought wrong, I thought that day you were just doing that because you were being polite and you wanted to get away, but you didn't know how to say no. Yeah. The second time we did this, we actually were at um, um, a legacy fight, watching, yeah. watching, I forget your guy's name, David. Yeah. David uh, fight. Yeah. And, uh, you asked me again, hey, DJ, you have to drag me out of here. And the thing that stood out to me that day is I didn't have to drag you out of there because you didn't want to say no to your fans. Yeah. I had to drag you out of there because you couldn't. Personally, did not have it in you. You, you wanted to be there for them. It was like yeah. me. you fought me getting out there. I'm like, bro, our wives are waiting on yeah. us. It's amazing to watch how you treat people. Oh, it's you. amazing to watch how you respect those who really have given you your life. Yeah. How hard is it to remember that? Uh, you know, um, I think because I don't do the skydiving as often as you guys do, I think sometimes just going to the drop zone, it does get me into the, 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 the con mode of have five minutes to go in there and get ready and people want to take pictures. And I, I sometimes get a little it gets in my head. You know what I mean? Uh, when I fought, I, I was hand and feet at my fans and it kind of missed my head up a little bit so i think it drop zones and i still try to take care of everyone at the drop zone but i get nervous sometimes because it takes my head off the game you know i'm like out there and instantly i go into comic-con mode i go into fan mode and then i'm like oh i gotta go i gotta you know so i don't want to mistake you know um, put my gear on wrong or so sometimes you know uh keeping my head straight there which i love everybody there's it's almost impossible in this day because of the branding of the social media not to go get recognized. And I don't mean to sound that like I'm, uh, you know, here I'm at the doctor and I'm like talking about personal things and, you know, I, they know me like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. doctors asking all these personal things. The guy's like, I've been to every comic con and, you know, <laughs> they know why I'm there. They know what's going on. So sometimes it gets embarrassing, I guess, when people know you outside of into your personal stuff. But man, I was in, uh, and Nicole, we were going to Arkansas and I, you know, I was in Salt Lake city and doing a con, and uh, my everything can go wrong that day of catching a three-hour flight went wrong. It was delayed. I was uh, I was supposed to sign on 12 o'clock Saturday, uh, flying from 3. I got up at 3 a.m. from Salt Lake, 
going to fly into to, uh, to um, Dallas, catch a flight, and I'll be there at 11 o'clock right off the plane, and I'll sign until 9 o'clock. That didn't happen. I missed my flight. It was, you know, I was so stressed out. Four o'clock's coming. Five o'clock. We're switching planes. We land in Arkansas. They can't, you know, put us um, to the gate safely because there's lightning strikes. Everything was going wrong, and all I cared about was hundreds of people that could not come on Sunday. And I called the promoter. I said, "Hey, Greg, can you do? What can we do? Can we leave the floor open? No, nope, we can't." And I was like, "Dude, you got to do something." So we got a different room. And when I showed up there, that was a video I sent you. I, he said it was a lot of people, but, you know, I, I don't know a lot of people. I mean, I do shows all the time, and the fan base is getting – there's a lot of people. And so, you know, I have hardly any sleep. And But taking care of everyone like that made me feel good because people are like, man, you know, you don't see that often. And no. In this business, I look about to celebrities and other people of what not to do to the fans. I look not how, how to act, what to say. Um, you know, there's just things I learn. I don't want to meet a hero. Van Dam. <laughs> I don't want to. Sorry, I got all these little jabs at people. Like, eh. I don't want to meet someone I, I really looked up to, like the Van Dam. I really did look up to the guy, and he just wasn't what he was, and that's what was disappointing to me. That made me feel I will never be what you just did to me. I cannot have a fan say I, you know, I'll call him out on it. You were here, okay? Where? Tell me where. There's no possible way. One guy called me out a long time ago and said, I waved to you at the Comic-Con, and you didn't see me, and I called him out on Instagram and said, where were you? Well, I was over at Sacramento. What was I doing? Well, you were getting a tattoo. I was what? Getting a tattoo? Do you think I'm looking at people? I'm looking like on my arm, getting that tunnel rat tattoo right in the armpit of my thing. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not like, what's up, bro? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of focused getting a tattoo, you know? And uh, so anyway, I'll call him out, and then I will say, I'm sorry. Here's an autograph. I'll even say that to my haters. Here's an autograph. I don't want, you know, haters. I, I want fans. And so it's kind of uh, hard to, you know, people nitpick a lot and try to pick the bad things out. And that's that's what happens in life sometimes. And, you know, it's what it is. But uh, we I run into a lot of great, great fans that have great stories. And I run into a lot of fans, too, you know, that might. I wouldn't say not like me, maybe not like the colors of the Rangers and different. They're, you know, live in a different world where, you know, this is a reality. But sometimes people are trapped in, into that world. Man, it's it's so easy. And I've had this conversation with you privately. It's so easy to say that you could be an old washed up has been. Yeah. You were a star of a show and a major show and a major star 20 years ago. Yeah. And so many people who were famous then have really died as far as their fame and their fortune goes. And your fortune is your love for your fans, your love for people. Uh, um, you make a decent living, but it's not really about the fortune as it yeah. is the, is the uh, love. Right. And that fame is still there, and it's because of the way you treat people. You sent Nick and I that video of you arriving in Arkansas. Yeah. And Nick, I don't know if you noticed, he high-fived everybody who held their hand up, including had to backtrack to catch yeah, a couple yeah. people, high-five them. And it's that love of the fans. And one of the things that we talked about is a lot of these people, when I say people, stars who go to cons, they actually have a minimum, an appearance fee. Yeah. Oh, if I'm going to show up at your convention, you have to pay me X number of dollars yeah. to show up. What's your appearance fee to these cons? I don't, I'm happy to say that all these cons, I don't get an appearance fee. Either you get something at the table or you don't have to. My fans leave happy. I'm one actor that can say, who got hooked up? I did, I did, I did. You know, because when you're paid to do a convention, you're on their rules. So 
even if you wanted to be a kind person, you're not allowed to give this autograph. You're not allowed to do this because it's the promoter's money, sort of say. Yeah. I'm different. I like to show up when I show up, take care of all my fans. You know, like in that, when the Arkansas thing, uh, there was a couple people that had uh, you know, autism that couldn't stand in line, and he just wanted, gave him a hug, took a picture with him, and sent him on his way versus letting him stand in line with all this noise getting to his head or people in a wheelchair. Come here real quick. You know, I try to take care of people, so it gives me freedom. Just like my karate schools, I don't charge a testing fee. I know there's schools around the world that charge for testing fees. There's nothing wrong with it. I just don't want to feel forced that you paid for your black belt. I, I just can't do it. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of the same theory. <clears throat> I don't sell video shout-outs, man. I, I will do one for you, but I'm not. There's other shout-outs. I get approached everywhere. Uh, you know, and I do shows with everybody. You can make this, you can make that. And they corner me and I says, they said, why don't you want to do it? I said, I don't want to. But you can make five grand, ten grand. I don't want to. Why don't you? Because I don't want to be, hey, Nick, you're the best skydiver I've ever seen. Jason David Frank is meaningless. I mean, I think you're a great skydiver. I would give you a <laughs> shout out right now. But I'm saying to be paid to, to tell someone what to say. I don't do it. I mean, I had a fan come up and have his camera and wave $60 at me and I... If you know me, I'm calm now, but I ripped the 60 bucks up and said, hold on, put, put your phone down, put your phone down. Well, what did you do? That's yours. Sorry I ripped it. Got a little offended. What do you want to do? Well, I have a podcast. Turn your, turn your video on. Do I need to pay for it? No. Let me do it on my times and let me say what I want to say. And that's like the biggest thing. I can't feel like a sellout. And if I have the ability before where someone comes up and if they paid or whatever the situation is, you will get my items and you leave with your money and probably an empty thought because I don't need your attitude at, at my table, which I don't get. And I don't need you at my karate school. If you're going to pay for your blue belt, you can leave. If you're here to train in karate, you're there to enjoy yourself at Comic Cons. And with that, it's made me huge because it's not about if you don't have money, you can go meet this guy and that guy. Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing the Comic Con. It's the first time doing a Comic Con. His autograph and his picture Guess how much it's going to be? 60 bucks. $1,250 oh, to get an Whoa. autograph. And wow. now, so, Nick, here's the thing. <laughs> you can either get a canopy or you, my friend, can get an autograph and a picture of Arnold. But <laughs> it is. I don't know what's crazier to me, the fact that he's charging that much or the fact that I'm sure he had a huge line of people that were willing I to don't, do it. He's, he's not done it yet, but let me tell you what the, the backlash is already. Arnold, your governor... You're an actor. Why are you taking twelve hundred and fifty dollars from yeah, average like people in Alabama? Money, yeah. It's like, but you nah. don't. But why? And and Stallone was the same way at New York Comic Con. I'm going to New York. I'm gonna have a huge line of people because it happens all the time in New York. I go against everyone, but it's okay. I'm going against Stallone, who's charging eight hundred bucks for an autograph and a picture. Sometimes there are people that will pay it because you got yeah. a nice collection. And it, but for me, I feel like you know you're you're a a, a figure. You know, a politician, you're, you're an actor, you probably got a lot of money. Some of these guys that do conventions are worth a lot of money. Chuck Norris, I do shows with him all the time. I just saw um, uh, the Firefly guy in the Jurassic Park. Uh, I just took a picture with him. Uh, you know, so you look at these celebrities' net worth, they got a lot of money. But those guys that do good things for those people, I admire. Like Chuck Norris, man, he's the nicest guy. He'll go on an airplane and he'll just keep signing autographs for everybody. And you don't even need to ask. He'll be like, here you go. I'm raising money oh, for yeah. this organization. And he's, you know, an eighth degree in one style and a tenth degree. That's how I want to be. 
I want to be like him. I don't want to be like other some of the other karate guys I met that just didn't have no values or morals at all. Chuck is a great guy, and Stan Lee, who created all the the superhero characters in the world. That guy drew, you know, Spider Man and all, everything. And he's ninety four. Unfortunately, he stopped doing conventions, but until that day, man, he will do them and sign and have the best attitude ever. And you look at that, and you're like, man, why does he do it? Because he enjoys and counts the love, but he also counts the blessings, not the not the not the the profit. And that's why I couldn't do it; could be paid. I left the show Power Rangers because I was offered more money. Go figure. I have morals, dude. You you talking to you? You owe it to the people. Without the people, you wouldn't have the life right. you have. Right. And Nick, you say you wonder how long the lines are for some of these people. As both of you know, I'm a gaming nerd friend. Actually, Kyle Doggy is what I know Kyle Hall as. Uh, Doggy and a lot of my other gaming nerd friends have hooked up with you at a Comic-Con. Uh, thank you so much for, for that. Oh, yeah. um, and the neat thing was is when they first met you, you didn't, they, you didn't know they were my friends. Yeah. And then when they said, hey, man, we know DJ... You still treated him the same way, and the cool part... Well, you probably should have tried to treat him worse, because they didn't... <laughs> yeah. But they were like, you were the nicest guy there. Yeah, they nice. said your lines were the longest there by far. They also moved the quickest. They were the friendliest. Despite being quick, you were friendly and took time with everybody. Yeah. So you're not spending... Or you're not charging that money. You're spending the time with the people, and you, you owe it to them, so to yeah. speak. I, I think that's right. I think sometimes you look at... <sighs> You know, I, I think here you don't just sit back and have the fans do your radio show, right? You're seeking your fans out. You owe them, even though no matter how many you have on here, you're doing it for the love of it, for the passion, yeah. not just the profit. See, people, there's a purpose in life. There's purpose, passion. Profits later. We all are making a lot of money. We're, not, we're doing this for the passion of it. So for your fans or the people that are watching is that you're giving them content. And you owe, like you said, you owe it to them, but most actors don't think that. See, you're smart. If you were an actor, you would go far because you said the magic words that actors won't say. They owe, you know, I owe it to them. No, they don't. That's actors think the fans owe them. That's the reason why they're, the fans are dwindling away at these shows is because they think they'll come for me. I seek my fans out, and I let them know the most important thing, I think, here tonight for everybody is that, you know, I'm here for y'all. You're great for me. You're great. But one thing we all deposit in our emotional bank account, I've talked to Nick before plenty of times about personal things. I've talked to you before. Nick's probably looking at like, this ain't the Jason I know when he was talking at, you know, the Mexican restaurant, but that's, <laughs> that's for my friends. You know what I mean? And yeah. when we're out here to, to share the things, I think we deposit in our emotional bank account because these are favors that you ask your people. Hey, DJ, I deposit in your emotional bank account when people want favors or, do for me, do for me. You look and you're like, dude, do you know your checks are going to bounce? You give me nothing in life and all I do is give and give and give. So with that and thought process of these people I meet at Comic-Cons, treating them the same regardless of who they are is the most important thing because you never know who. C2E2, a long time ago in Chicago, one of my friends who was a fighter here uh, you know, uh, took his life and it was devastating at that con. And I was just like, oh, I was just a devastating Comic-Con that I didn't think I would be myself. And one guy came, closed, says, hey, man. I said, you need anything? I'm about to leave. I was crying backstage, coming, you know, I'm hold it. I hide it really well. And I said, do you need anything, bud? No, no. I said, you want to take a picture? No, no, just looking. That guy 
ended up writing the the one of the most successful comic books, Boom Comics, and he's the one that created Lord Draken. So he's the writer and says, hey, I got to tell you something. I met you at C2E2, and I'm like, oh, God. That was probably so bad because <laughs> all this emotional stuff. He said, you were super cool, man. You came to me and asked me, hey, do you need anything? He goes, you were already closed up, and you offered a picture. And I said, well, thank God. I treat everyone equal, including Bat and the Sun people, not to get anything, just to, just because if you give, don't expect when you get something in return, you're like, oh, dude, that's awesome, you know. And I'm sure you can experience that, you know, skydiving and putting something out there. And I've, I've, you know, in text and plenty of people are like, dude, we did this video and now we're on this thing and we got so many views is because you didn't really expect it and say, hey, you better do this. You, it's, it's a gift. And if you give and you get something back, it's just a gift. And I think if that's, that goes a long way in, in, in relationships. I think uh, <clears throat> expectations are certainly uh, the quickest way to get yourself disappointed. Exactly right. You want to be disappointed? <laughs> then expect something back because well, you will be disappointed all day long. And that's the cool thing is that attitude is like I have when I give to people, even if people don't see or – I post on Instagram and people are like, well, you know, if you're a godly person, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't post this, this, uh, this thing you did for people. I've done so many good things for people, but what I did post is when I pushed that truck here, like everybody was like beeping at this truck and I got out and I pushed and my little girl filmed it and said, oh, daddy's, you know, a hero. And people were like, that's not, you should not post that. You know, if you're a Christian, then you should not brag about your good deeds. I said, let me tell you, if God had Instagram, He'd be using it. He wouldn't be walking. He would have nice new sandals, okay? Second of all, if the point of, po of pushing that truck is I push that truck in danger, out of danger, by myself, and if everybody drove by and forgot about the truck and, oh, Jace, the Green Ranger, I would have thousands of people pushing the truck, not because they want to help them, because they just want to be like, oh, cool. So hey, in episode 12, you know, so the point, the point of that is you just got to do good for people regardless you never know who you're going to run into, especially in the skydiving world too, right? You have these, these uh, maybe a new kid that, you know, has X amount of jumps and all of a sudden now, you know, he's a great skydiver. I mean, you know, Garrett, Garrett's a great skydiver. I meet all these upcoming kids that are, you know, doing this kind of stuff and, and you just never know, you know, you step over people, you just never know. So treat people, I guess, how they treat you. And in, in any world, you, that's probably half the people <laughs> that only treat you good. But, uh, you know, statistically, 25% of the people in real life are going to hate you anyway, no matter what you do. That's the statistics. That's why people come up and they're like, why did this happen to you, Jason? Like, you're the nicest guy. Statistically, 25% of the people around the world, no matter who's in this room, they're going to hate you. That's statistics. 25% of the people will always have your back. Then you have 50% that can be persuaded to like you or persuaded not to like you. That's the way it is. And as an actor, unfortunately, I've go to a lot of these skydiving places and boogies, and, and I, I get this a lot. I don't know these people, and I'm usually nice to everybody, but I get this a lot. You know, you're actually a cool guy. What is the actual cool guy? What does that even mean? Well, where did I get that from? I, no, I think that this is just people telling you that you're a genuine person. Because it would be easy to expect anyone with you know some level okay. of, of fame to be a douche, you know, to just but, not be genuine. But that's true. But so here's the thing: what you marked on is because of the of the label that actors have. We go from I, I can go from a ten. I meet Nick. I don't know him. He goes from a ten and nine, eight, seven, six. This guy's a five. But I have to go to a five and either 
convince people that I'm actually cool because, you know, I'm a celebrity so I can kind of go out of the way or go down the wrong path. And that's, 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 that's what happens, I think. Yeah. And it happens to me when I see celebrities, there are five. I'd meet this guy, I'm like, oh, you know, and, and just like the whole Van Damme thing, I mean, to me, he wasn't a five, he was a ten. Oh, we need to hear this Van Damme story. How, <laughs> how did this guy shut you down? <sighs> okay, this is the true story. Because I'm a huge Jean-Claude Van Damme fan. I know, I so am I. So am I. So, and Nicole, who skydives too, Ortiz, she worked at iFly. She runs my Paraland school now, and so she works for me, and she was there. I didn't know that. She's yeah. here in Paraland. Yeah, she's teaching Paraland now. She's I been there swing for, by and say hey to her. Yeah, she's been there for about uh, over a year now and just kicking it and just killing it over there, um, doing karate. So, you know, she was with me, and we were in Mexico. I'll give you a rundown because fans will ask, and now you guys can hear it. But uh, the rundown in... When I did the movie premiere, uh, we did it in 95, we had the movie premiere. We got all these actors. This is the Power the Rangers, Power Rangers movie. movie, yeah. Okay. So we had all these actors. We had, like, you know, Tom Hanks' kids, although Tom wasn't there. Demi Moore's kid, although Demi wasn't there. Uh, Michael Matson's son, who came out of the bushes outside. This, this little kid in, in White Ranger stuff comes out, and he's asked for an autograph. I'm like, who's this little kid? How's he coming out of a bush? Like, you know, and so I sign it, and his dad's kind of look just like the movies. And they're like, that's Michael Matson. I said, I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, the gangster, Reservoir Dogs, you know, okay. like, because like, I didn't uh, know either. You know, John, uh, Donnie Brasco, he's the guy that was like, you know, all the gangster movies, and he looked like a gangster. So I talked to him years later. So uh, Van Damme shows up, and he, I was so excited to meet him. I was like, oh, man, I'm doing a movie. Maybe he'll see my karate moves. Just very arrogant. Just, you know, had bodyguards, wouldn't let him. And I tried shaking his hand, got shummed away. And I'm like, man, this is like my movie premiere. The guy comes in and makes it all about him, which is <clears throat> totally fine because he's Van Damme. He can make it about himself. But I was disappointed on how he was. So time goes by. 2011, the TMZ, good old TMZ, <clears throat> comes and says, you know, Van Damme's looking to fight. Was that, would you guys do a celebrity fight? Said, yeah, fight him. That's cool. So ran a little ad, says J. David Frank, wants to fight Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, due to the movie premiere. That's not what I said. This is TMZ, man. Like, you know, don't you know that words are twisted? You know, and so it was kind of like I let that go. And then uh, I became friends with Chuck Zito. Chuck Zito uh, has done a lot of bodyguarding, a lot of stuff for Stallone and bodyguard for Van Damme. He was, he's the president of, the, he's the president of, of uh, Hell's Angels in New York. He's the president of Hell's Angels, so you don't miss with the dude. Like, Chuck Zito is Chuck Zito. He got famous and went to Oz, the movie, and he, but he got famous beating up Van Damme. Like, he sold shirts and pl plenty of times because the story, and you see on, on, on uh, Howard Stern's show, all that, I've researched it all. It was just Gene Claude was being his douchey self again and pretty much, like, missed with the wrong guy, and uh, Chuck Zito didn't take it and laid him out and knocked him out. And, uh, you know, Van Damme was all drunk, claiming that he don't remember, and just, just a bunch of stuff. So Chuck's a friend of mine. He used to hear the stories all the time. Regardless, I was still a huge Van Damme fan growing up. And Seagal, Jeff Speakman, too. So I'm at, I'm at a Comic-Con. He's never done a Comic-Con. I've done them. I kind of, like, rule that Comic-Con world because I know everybody. That's like you in the skydiving world. You, too. Do you, maybe all these tandems that come, you might not know, but you're the core of the you're the hardcore of the skydiving. You know who's who, right? You know all the accidents and all that stuff. So basically, he, uh, I had a big green room, and um, they came and said, hey, Jason, we, we want to uh, ask you if you could share your green room with someone. And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's a big green room, big. Like, you know, like 
10 times the size of this. My own green room, they, they treated me really well in Mexico. I had food, I had my own chef. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll share it, no problem at all. I didn't ask who, I said sure before I asked who, and they said Van Damme, and I thought, cool, Instagram. Awesome, man. Dude, I'm going to get some, like, I'm, I'm thinking as a fan, like, oh, I'm, man, I don't know, I don't want to, like, be freaky or creepy on them, but I'll be like, maybe we'll do a check, or maybe we can do a kick. So all this stuff's going through my head. And um, <clears throat> Nicole asked, does he remember about all that stuff? I was like, no, it's Van Damme. Like, what's he checking on? He don't even know who I am, you know what I mean? So... I share the room. We go downstairs. We sign. I signed everything. Went, I'm hungry. I want to go to my gr- green room. And he had an entourage full of people, like cops and politicians. He had a, had like one security guard after the whole incident in Comic-Con. I got one. That's fine. So he goes in. I go into the green room. And he just locks me out. Like, I can't go in. All those guys are like, sorry, bro. He's in there. And I was like, I'm hungry. Like, I just shared my room. Nope, sorry. And I was like, oh. Whatever you got locked out of your own yeah, room that you shared that with I shared. Else. Wow. Yeah. So I go in the. So I'm sitting in the hallway, and uh, the promoter comes up, and you know Nicole is there. What do you want to do? I said nothing. Just let him have his prima donna moment, and five minutes we'll kick him out, or he'll leave, and then I'll just go in there. So it was a very long time. Meanwhile, I don't know what's going on back there. I got my fans are age from the age of 25 to 35, so I don't know what's going on in the green room. I find out later what's going on. So. Uh, Flash cut to in the green room. Younger guys, hey, man, do you know who that guy is at the Comic-Con with all those people in line? No? This is this guy. Let me pull him up on TMZ. Look, check it out. This guy, who is he? White Power Ranger, I don't know. I don't know who he is. I'm going to go make him apologize. That's what's going on in the room. Yeah, well, go get his phone and stop him. Tell him I want to take a picture with him. I didn't know about that. Flash cut to me in the hallway. Excuse me, Van Damme would like to take a picture with you. Flash cut in my brain. I'm a pretty big celebrity. (laughs) You know, I got all these flash cuts, you know, like, oh, man, he wants to take a picture with me. All right. So then Nicole's like, he remembers? No, he don't remember. It's fine. We'll take a picture. And I'm thinking, sure enough, all of his cops, everybody makes this hole like in in a movie, dude, like Bloodsport. They make this, this, they all have cameras. Now, my camera's gone because his handler took my camera. And Nicole now knows the role no matter what happens. If I'm dying, just roll the camera and get the shot. She knows now. She got a couple shots of it. But we go out, and sure enough, he comes right to my face and goes, did you write this stuff? Cuss words. Do you write this, you know, on here? What, you think you can kick my beep? Think you can kiss, uh, kick, kick? And uh, I said, yeah, because now he's arrogant. Now I'm kind of like, I'm getting in fight mode. No more Comic-Con mode. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, you could do it right here? You think you can kick my beep right here? Is that what you can do? Do it on my camera. And he had a professional camera. Now I think I'm getting punked. Like, I really think someone's going to run out and be like, we're just kidding. So now I'm looking at the camera. I said, okay. I take my watch off. And Nicole's like, oh, no. I take my dog tag off. I don't want to mess that up. You know, and he throws all of his stuff on the couch and says, let's go. Let's go. And I'm like, is he for, is he for real? Like, what's going on? So it flash cut in my head. Bang, bang, bang. Knocked him out. Flash cut cops everywhere. Back to reality. Flash cut to me just looking, going, <laughs> that just happened in my head. You know, and then I'm looking at him. He goes, whatever you want. Karate, boxing, flash cut when he says karate. His high kick, toosh, 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 kick in my head. So I step, I step back. He's got good kick. Step back a little bit. I'm like, so where's this going? So he's like, we'll do MMA. So that's when I put my hands on him thinking, okay, well, now I gave him the free pass to beat me up if he wanted to because now he's talking a lot of stuff. And then things kind of like escalated a bit, a little, as I was talking into his ear, undisclosed things that I was saying in his ear. And then he dropped his hands and said, okay, well, you know, whatever. 
And then I'd let him go, and then he started popping off again. And then uh, then the securities came. It was just this whole thing started happening. It was cussing me. Uh, he wanted to kick me out of the Comic-Con. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, old man. I'll be his age soon. Uh, yeah, okay, old man. Why don't you get in the ring? This is a Comic-Con. And then it stopped. And then I said, okay, stop, everybody. And it got quiet. His security, I said, security stop. I said, you were a hero of mine. You do understand? You were a hero. And it was quick, just like in this room now. No one was talking. I said, but you're so arrogant, dude. You come at me. You throw your stuff on the couch. You ask me if you're going to kick your butt. You want to apologize for something that I was helping you get a fight because you couldn't get a license in the U.S. to fight. You were too old to fight. At that time, I don't know, 49, whatever. I said, you were too old to fight. So I stepped up and said, let's do a celebrity match. It would have been fun. You're a hero of mine. Don't take it wrong. And um, then... I started saying, I know, I said, Chuck Zito's right. And then he just flipped with Chuck Zito. What do you mean, Chuck Zito? And security came. And then it just all broke up. So it was disappointing that I never got my picture. Although our pictures and videos ended up on theblast.com. You can go check out that story. But before I, before I, I did this summary of a story, I got four witnesses to ask. Before I write the story and they asked me, I need to know, Nick, was I out of line? Because, you know, sometimes when you're inside the cage, you, you can't see because you're the corner person. So I can't see what's going on. All the stories match exactly what it was in my head. Uh, security came to erase some uh, uh, pictures from Nicole's phone. I told her, don't give me your phone. And security better not come to get my phone. And so I got the green room back. And they went to kick me out. And the promoters were like, we're not kicking you out. We're, you know, he can leave. And that was his first Comic-Con. And my agent said... Jason, uh, that probably wasn't the best thing because I was just ready to represent him and put you guys on tour. And I was like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> and then I went to Brussels, and that's where he's from, Brussels with the Muscles. And he was starring on that show. And uh, the promoter said the same thing. I talked to Dean Kane. A lot of other people are like, it just went viral in the world. What happened? I told him what happened. And um, I thought he was going to show up with his posse in Brussels. You know, it's his hometown. I thought he was going to kind of punk me a little bit. But um, he never showed up. And then the worst part is he makes a comment that even makes me more mad now on comicbook.com saying that my story never happened. How do we got videos and pictures and everything else and my story never happened? So he's just kind of shumming me on and I'm not making something a big deal out of something. The big deal was meeting my hero that all I wanted to do was get a picture that turned out like this, you know? So uh, a lot of our listeners, our normal listeners are skydiving instructors and skydivers in general. And a lot of these stories really, for me, relate to us because Nick and I talk about it a lot. It's very easy for us to be on a drop zone, to be at work and think, man, I'm at work right now. I'm doing my job. And the last thing I need is for you to be bothering me. And so many full-time skydivers feel that way. But we have to remember, these people look up to us, and that's what you're so good at. I actually think of you regularly during my day. Uh, you're an inspiration to how I see you treat people. Oh, and we man. need to remember, oh, dude, you're welcome, man. Thank you. And we have to remember that we owe it to those people. If it wasn't for these new jumpers, if it weren't yeah. for these jumpers looking up to us, if it wasn't for them coming to us for guidance and help, we wouldn't have a job. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if your job is being a celebrity. It doesn't matter if your job is, is being a skydiving instructor or a gas attendant, man. Yeah. If it wasn't for the people who are coming to you, you wouldn't have your life. You wouldn't have what you have. So it's, it's just so awesome to see how, unlike Jean-Claude Van Damme, <laughs> that you are so respectful to people and how much you, you trust and, and you oh, respect thanks. those. I remember coming to Spaceland, and I was from Paris, right? And I had a D license that was like 24460, old school D license. And I remember with Stephen Boyd, yeah, I remember talking to Stephen, and uh, 
You all had your own little group, that 521 group, I think Yeah, it was. that was right when I first showed up. Yeah, yeah. Freefly 521 was our little group. Oh, I so wanted to jump with all y'all, but I wasn't <laughs> good enough. But but I thought maybe, you know, coming into it, I was like, yeah, you know, I free fly. All the videos, all the videos that I had, you guys were nice enough to fly with me as I was backsliding, <laughs> forward sliding. So I'm like, dude, did you? I was there the whole entire time. You're like, yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Not knowing that I'm like backsliding or moving. So I had some pretty good video with some of the old school guys and people that we jump with. Thank you to them for keeping up with my backsliding. Uh, you know, coming into, I met, I met Boyd and I said, I free fly. He's like, oh, cool, man. You can definitely fit into our group. And, you know, I was like, oh, wow, that's great. And um, so I met him, and, and, and me and Tammy did a jump with him. And oh my God, I still have it, dude. I still have it on video. It was just, it was just mind blowing. And to the, to the, to the things of now jumping with Trent and Boyd and pulling pancakes and doing stuff like night and day. But I remember Boyd's face afterwards. He's like, yeah, yeah. And that was, I didn't, you know, he would have loved to jump, but it was probably one of those unsafe jumps that would just, you look and you're like, what was going on here? You know, so I started understanding skydiving more. But when I first came, to you all uh you know i had the the helmets and the stickers and uh, you know all just the old school stuff and i had i i had a helmet people were talking about a power ranger guy coming there like years ago like oh did you hear you know one of the dudes like tandems so it was embarrassing because i actually was sitting on the plane and i heard people i don't know who it was but i heard people talking about this power ranger guy he looks a lot older is what i heard on the plane <laughs> were, were they so, talking about you yeah were they, talking about they this? were talking about me this okay. guy at the drop but zone. not knowing it's you no not knowing it's me so i went home and i told tam i said Give me some Power Ranger stickers. She says, why? And I never wear a lot of my Power I got Power Ranger stuff and, you know, all this other stuff. And I put big two Power Ranger stickers, if you ever see, on the side of my helmet. So I sat in the airplane. I didn't know anyone. And I'm thinking, God, I hope this just this is me. Please don't say anything bad about me. It wasn't anything bad. But at that time, you know, uh, we weren't big in social media. I, wasn't, I was the, kind of the new guy. The first time I ever jumped, uh, first I met Jay, was I jumped with him. And he was from Louisiana. I think he was jumping a voodoo rig or whatever, and uh, he jumped on red light because he usually spots himself, and they're like, no, you know, they yell, don't jump, red light. You know, it's like, oh, my God, when I first went over there, like, don't slam the door, you know. Thanks, Liz. But, uh, you know, I was like, <laughs> I was always so scared to, like, shut the door quietly and, and move stuff like that. But uh, but it was those days where I had to put the two big stickers on my head and uh, the big Power Ranger stickers, but... And even still jumping with, you know, Boyd and Trent, I, I have nightmares of, uh, of uh, that first jump, but it's much better now. And, and the flying, I think, the understanding of it. And, uh, you know, I used to ask Boyd, like, how'd you learn everything? He's like, by watching videos. And I can't learn like that. Like, I'm just not a video guy. I could look at a routine, but I'm just a different person to learn. Like, maybe in the tunnels, very frustrated, getting head down. Ugh. That's a whole nother story. But um, I remember when I first went to the tunnels, I remember you asked me what I work on. I did two hours, and I was Ryan was my coach, and, and sucks about Ryan. Love, love him. Great guy. Risberg. Yeah. He was my coach. And uh, I remember the first person I called was you. I don't know if you remember. Dude, I went to the tunnel. You're like, that's awesome, man. What would you work on? I was like, well, I did belly. I did uh, back. I was working on sit, and I grabbed the net to do head down. And I remember DJ, man, you must be killing things. I wasn't killing things. It was just a sample for me to come back three hours a weekend, you know, to come back. And that was my first uh, that was my first two hours in the wind tunnel. And I think I was so persistent. Come on, man. I want to fly head down. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And he's probably like, all right, put him on the net 
and let him see how you know it felt. But for me, I was like, well, yeah, I'm already, you know, belly flying and back flying until I got much more respect for the wind and how to do things. And I think that's the the thought of people coming into karate. I just want to fight and I want to be a UFC fighter. Ah, stop. Let's train. Talk to me two, three years down the road. How common is that conversation? Very nowadays? common. Very common. And and it's very common on Comic Cons to say, you know, I always wanted to float in the wind tunnel. We don't float, we fly. Big difference. It looks like gravity, right? It's a big difference. I always wanted to try the wingsuiting down the cliffs, proximity flying. Mm-hmm. That's very standard. And I just want to be a UFC fighter. It's very standard when you come into the gym. Or parents tell their kids, uh, can you make him a UFC fighter? I'm like, dude, he's five. Well, I can make him as a, as a martial artist with respect. Not just, you know, uh, no res- disrespect to anyone. you feel like anyone. they're asking that as a serious question? Oh, some of the dads are. They want their kids to learn this and that. And, you know, when you do a jab, it's like, parents, hold on. I literally was teaching one time, back in my days, where a dad was just side coaching. You know, he's out of shape. He's just side coaching me. Oh. I put my belt, took my belt off, and I put it around his neck, and I was teaching a kid by the name of George. And I said... You can teach your son. And I went back to the black belt room. <laughs> For a long time, I was paid private lessons, so his time was clicking already. It was like you're a half-hour lesson, dude. You want to teach your son? I sat in my room for the long time. <laughs> Came out about 15 minutes later, and his dad was sitting there with that belt. And I said, are you done? I took my belt off, and I put it back on. And that dad never came in again. And he sent his son in. Thank God. Your kid don't have the time to look at you and listen to his side coach. Let him be professional. That's like you teaching a tandem and a random person that has no jumps. Like, hey, make sure when you pull that. Oh, they do that. Oh, my oh, God. The time. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, they do that. Yes. Oh, my. I've never, I mean, never known that. I mean, it's more common that a person with, with one jump or five jumps yeah. will be teaching someone with zero jumps to three jumps. You know. Like yep. you have an yep. AFF student with five jumps teaching someone with one jump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like they know the fuck, like they know the whole thing. Like they're teaching malfunction <laughs> yeah, junction. Nick's good. He's catching himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's catching I, I told, listen, I told these guys, I watch a show from my home. I love watching you guys. First thing I call, I said, hey, I got a lot of fans, man. Can we keep it PG-13? I'm trying, man. And yeah. you guys are doing trying. really good. Really good. I haven't cussed really once. No, and if I you know. know me, that I, is a... Miracle. <laughs> well, you know me at the drop zone. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different person because you guys are my friends and stuff like that. So I try to keep things clean. But it, it is like that when I fly too. You, you, you ask and they're like, oh, yeah, I've skydived before. And, you know, silly me, don't ask how many jumps you got. I just assume they're a skydiver. So I'm like, you know, and they're like, it's a skydiver? I'm like, yeah, that's what he says. And then someone more experienced me says, where you jump at? Oh, I jumped at space. How many jumps you got? Like two tandems. And so I'm like, oh, I should ask that question. Because, <laughs> you know, in the tunnel, you, you know, you're, it's, it's, being a skydiver, it's, it's, it's different. It's different. It's, it's very humbling to go in there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of great skydivers that don't even need to hit the tunnel that do amazing work in the air. But it is, it's like, for me, the only way to explain it for me was, you know, going into a jiu-jitsu school and taking my black belt off and wearing a white belt and sitting down and being humble. And, but it's okay to be a white belt. Because you're not expected to do much. Being a black belt, you have to do this and you have to do that. So it was okay. But it was a very humbling experience, I think. And uh doesn't necessarily mean that you can't skydive. Because I, I look at wind tunnel as pad work, right? Because pad work, you can look yeah. really good at pad work. But you, you might suck canopy exiting. You might not even be a skydiver. And now you want to do it. And, and, and then it becomes issues. So it's you could still fight. Those skydivers can do the real fight. That's the real fight skydiving is a real fight tunnels the pad work 
you know, but do you have what it takes to be a skydiver? A lot of tunnels just don't want to skydive. Or, you know, they think that's like you were saying, that's all there is to skydiving. It's so much more. I mean, yeah, they're two pretty different sports. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of overlap where there are a lot of similarities. Or, uh, you know, some of the skill sets translate, some of them, some of them don't. But I, I can appreciate and understand someone who just wants to be a good tunnel flyer. Yeah. Like someone that, especially freestyle stuff, where you're putting a lot of the movement into context, where if you did the same routine in the sky, it wouldn't look nearly as cool as it does in the, right. in the tunnel. And, you know, especially kids, like to, to say that the, the Wittenberg kids aren't amazing athletes, yeah, like you, you, couldn't, you couldn't say anything else about those kids, yeah. right? And oh, about so, some of the other really good freestyle players. It's like, <sighs> yeah. I think that they, they make that a sport all on its own. Yeah. Like, I, I understand, like, I was a skydiver first. And I want to. I, I have a stronger desire to be good at skydiving and yeah. be good at, you know, flying a parachute and all, all that stuff. That's all cool to me. Yeah. But um, with the tunnel, it's still, it's still its own thing. And I feel like uh, it has because of the spectator element. I think it has a, a lot better chance of becoming like like an Olympic sport, right, for right. example. I get what you're saying. I think yeah. be, because people can watch it, people can experience it so closely. Like watching, how different is it for you to watch a fight in person and then to watch a fight on video? Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So, so totally, to watch I get what sky, you're saying. Like yeah. a video of someone skydiving or to see the actual flying in front of your face. Yeah. I, I think that there is some some value to yeah. to that. Same with stand up comedy. Same with same with any live thing. Yeah. I think just people connect to it better when they actually see it happening. Even if it's a live video of it happening right now. Yeah. I just don't think watching skydiving that way is is as uh, easy to connect with for people right. as it is yeah. to, to watch people flying yeah. the tunnel. But DJ, you don't you use the tunnel for like some of your your coaching or, or uh, being an AFF instructor, you guys have certain drills because I've seen you in there before. I've Fly seen you like do a certain drills. <laughs> no, it's just different drills like out of control, yeah. looping and the turning, and which looks very, I guess, uh, you know, helpful that you could do it in there versus up there. So I've seen some of the drills which really have nothing to do with, um, I guess, uh, the 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 different sport of tunnel. You use it more as a tool. To become a better AFF instructor, it's like pad work. I, yeah. I mean, what you're saying yeah. is exactly it. You know, we go up on on a skydive training instructors. And we have 60 seconds to get this figured out. Yeah. And if we get blessed, lucky, and we kick your butt, you're going to do 10 jumps, 10 minutes of learning today. And that's so much work of getting on and off a plane, starting the adrenaline, stopping the adrenaline, where we can go in a tunnel. And in 30 minutes, do a bunch of a bunch of time in 15 minutes, and do the same repetitions over and over and over again. Yeah. So it doesn't give us the full quiver or the full bevy of what we need. But my goodness, it's it's definitely a huge help to tunnel it. And you've seen the difference between training them in the tunnel, doing your FF to what you have now, back to 15, 20 years ago. Oh. I mean, yeah, you, it does help. Absolutely. It's not just with instructor training. It's with in my flying. You know, I, I don't fly in the tunnel nearly as enough or as much as I want to. My biggest problem with the tunnel is plain and simple. It's 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 a crack tube. You go in that windy tube and you want to be in yeah, it so no. much and it's not it's not cheap. Yeah. You know, I fly did drop their prices recently. Dude, they crush in plug, it. Man. Plug seven hundred dollars for return hey, they, flyers. They don't, they an don't hour. pay me for this sort of stuff. Seven hundred for return flyers. Yeah, yeah, seven hundred dollars an hour for every dude. When I fly <sighs> Memorial so opened funny. up I bought a large bulk package to sell for instructor yep, coaching. Too, yep. And man, I got a killer rate at that. You probably got the yeah. same rate in an yeah. A. It's it's now it's less. Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome because I spoke to iFly and they're like, You don't have 
this much hours on the book, you have this much money, and your money yeah. will now translate to more hours, yeah. so you actually have more time left than you thought. Yeah. So uh, I want to go back to skydiving for one second, and you talk about, and then I've seen some of yeah. your old gear. As a matter of fact, I gave you a lot of advice and help <laughs> with some of your old gear. So what what rig do you jump now? You you now you have a container. You have a couple of them. What is what container do you jump? Um, well, I I still I mean I I have the Infinities. I have Infinities. Shout out to Velocity Sports Equipment, Velocity. sponsor of the podcast. Velocities. <laughs> I do have Velocity. I I did have that. Uh, Visual, but but I, I got sponsored by Cypress because I had that that yeah. visual, you know, at fourteen hundred. Both the canopies came out. Y'all wanted to ground me because you thought I pulled too low. I had to get the video and tell Jay, this is proof. But I'm getting in my car because y'all yelling. Oh yeah, you were at fourteen hundred. <laughs> you weren't at seven fifty. No, I wasn't. I had two outs. So yeah, yeah, I was at fourteen. So anyway, I sponsored by Cypress. But um, why do you jump at Infinity? Is my question. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've had one for a long time, even yeah. before all this stuff. I just had, you know, and, and then when I came to Spaceland, you know, I tried Mirage. I tried different 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 stuff. Uh, I, I guess I'm just kind of that old school dude that's like used to stuff, I guess. Um, is but it more guys, comfortable for you? It's comfortable. It is comfortable. Uh, and, it, you know, I think for me, my gear is probably slightly different than all you all because I guess I might... My favorite karate suit to wear when I'm fighting is different than the nice suit that I usually wear. But it is very comfortable to me. Um, and I kind of just go with comfort, I guess. Uh, I, I, but I, but I will say deal, I haven't tried a lot of other rigs, put it that way. So I haven't really fell in love with a lot of other rigs because I haven't had the chance to try on other. And I just, I just yeah. haven't. Nick is, uh, for me, comfort is a huge deal. And realistically, today, most manufacturers, all manufacturers, yeah. really are making safe rigs. It's not about safety anymore. Because there's such a high standard, yeah. but Nick, you tried a bunch of different rigs on yourself, and uh, you yeah. stuck with Infinity because of the comfort. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a really unique body shape. I'm a stubby tiny, little fella, and I'm and I'm kind of wide in the shoulders for my tiny stature, and uh, my torso is really short. And I just it's really hard for me to find a rig that uh, fits nice. Yeah, and so I had a rig previously that I compromised for the way that it looked for the way that it fit. Uh-huh. Uh cosmetically I wasn't the most into it. Didn't love the the shape, size or geometry of it. And uh now I feel like I don't have to compromise. It's Infinity, definitely one of my most is my favorite rig and it's one of the most comfortable and something most people don't know. Recently a very tiny friend approached me and said, "Well, I don't like Infinities because they don't fit my body type and size." And then Felicia, you know Felicia from the office, yep. who is absolutely a tiny girl, man, I would fart and knock her over. She's sub <laughs> 100 pounds. And her rig, her Infinity fits her well and because Infinity does different dimensions. Some are wide and flat, some are short and narrow, and they consider your body type and your body size to the shape of the container to make sure you fit it right. So uh, what I just did is I snuck in one of our little sponsors there. Guys and gals, go to Velocity Rigs com check out infinity if you mention gravity lab radio when you're ordering one of these they'll uh, upgrade to a free mesh back pad upgrade uh check it out there uh will be at pia coming soon and we'll talk more about pia sometime soon so I'll you're all on the same page which is good i didn't know what you know what i mean it was, it was <laughs> a great it. plug it was it was good but it's funny you go back to that 700 hour rate so many people fought for that rate for so long you know oh, what yeah, I mean? we like did. instructors and other, and it's like, oh yeah, we're at that now. Well, I, I fly. They've they've changed their leadership up. Yeah, and it's to me like when they first announced this uh, this new CEO, I was like, this guy doesn't know shit. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's just my cynical like. I just think with uh, you know I'm a skydiver first uh -huh. and a tunnel flyer second, and uh, 
not a business person, you yeah. know, like especially the corporate business world. So they brought in this guy who was a CEO for Weight Watchers and for Snap Kitchen, and I think there was an, a third, a third pretty large company. And I was like, this guy doesn't know anything about flying. How is he going to help I fly? Yeah, because I'm an idiot, and I think that you need to start as a tunnel instructor to to know anything about the company. Yeah. But that he's become really, I mean, he's a smart business guy. He's led led really big businesses and he has been the loudest voice in the company about, "Hey, we need to make more flyers. We need to make this a sport. We need to make this yeah. more than about first-time flyers. Good. We need to make it more accessible to your average flyer. We need to give more people more reasons to come back. We need to make it more affordable. Mm-hmm. This this needs to be a sport. It needs to not be a, a carnival ride." That's and good. so I think that that's done a lot for the for the company and I think he's probably the if you were going to blame anybody for that $700 an hour rate, he might, he might be the guy. Well, CEOs, I think, are important in any business. Your business, you would do what you do. You'll only do it as good as you are. You know what I mean? And that's like what happened to Starbucks when he stepped off as a CEO. It takes a good CEO to make those business decisions, even if you're not. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Ooh. If you're not a tunnel flyer or skydiver, you don't know. But, but actually, business is different. You know, you're selling a business, no matter if it's coffee Weight Watchers, wind, you got to have that business experience. So that's good to hear that. It's leadership and yep. I think it's vision. And yep. I think it's so important, man. You actually run your own businesses, not just with a school, but realistically, you're the product. You yep. sell yourself yep. and, and, and thankfully you do it well and your fans believe in you. One of the things that you do regularly at conventions, and yep. uh, one of the reasons this worked out so well is this weekend you have a convention here in Houston. Yep. How nice right. is it to be at home for this? Uh, it's so good. Um, and the good thing about the Pandemic Tour, it's if you guys are in the Houston area or skydivers, uh, you know, believe it or not, I, I meet a lot of skydivers, base jumpers, wind tunnel people that love superheroes. I don't think it's anything uncommon. We I love mean, to a fly. Lot of, I know. I, I mean, a lot of people are like, dude, I'm a skydiver. I'm like, awesome. Had one guy say, I'm a skydiver. I said, dude, I'm going to hook you up with all this stuff. And where do you jump? Didn't know. Do you have a license? Uh-huh. Do you, you USPA? Uh, he didn't have nothing, so he just, just got had. <laughs> but it's okay. I gave it to him anyway. But it's a pandemic <laughs> tour coming up. I know. That's so fun to buzz people. That's I know, great. dude. I was just like, oh, he's licensed. Like, license, USPA? Anyway. So it's pandemic tour coming up. Uh, the Reliance Center, I believe. A huge lineup. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, and at, Sunday. At Reliant Stadium? Uh-huh. That's where yeah. the Comic-Con That's huge. Yeah. Wow. yeah, it's going to be huge. That's where the, like, have... the Texans football team plays, yeah? Yeah, we have. Well, and, and uh, yeah, we're not at the George Brown. We're at the Reliance Center. So at we the have... Astrodome or at yeah. the... Okay. Yeah. And, uh, wow. you know, like Nor- uh, Norman Reedus will be there. All the Walking Dead people. Bruce Campbell, a really good friend of mine. He's going to be there. Um, Bruce Campbell's going to be there? Yeah. He's your buddy? Yeah, he's, yeah, a, really good, he's a really good friend of mine. That's funny. Groovy. Yeah, a lot of people have that group. Bruce Campbell, uh, but he does the Ash versus Evil Did. Uh, and yeah, he fist, was. Fistful of Boomstick? Yeah, he did uh, uh, Briscoe County Jr. at one point. I was represented by the same manager, but, but he's a good friend of mine. We've become good friends. So he's going to be here. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, who lives here, Boondock Saint, he actually lives in, in uh, Houston. And, uh, you know, I, I still haven't seen Boondock Saint, but he did Powder. Oh, have um, you? You've never seen, seen that movie? movie? No, I need to. I know. You can leave my house like, now. <laughs> I know. Sean would probably be so. But, but one thing about Sean, he's a third degree jiu-jitsu black belt. He is legit, dude. That dude is legit. He can roll. He can roll. He goes everywhere and he rolls. And this dude is so good. Like, yeah, he's, so he, he's out here training. No, no one ever think that. I tell Sean, like, we're rolling in a car and he's looking at some other people and one of the handlers, like, we're, we're in a good car full of people. I believe in, in Sean's uh, abilities as a jiu-jitsu guy. He is no joke. And I told him, why don't you do, you know, movies or films? He's like, I'm just, he just focuses as an actor. But he is, he is legit. Third degree black belt. So he lives there. He's going to be there. 
uh, <clears throat> Paige from WWE is going to be there. Uh, I can't even think offhand. There's so many, so many people. Chuck was coming, but he's rescheduled that. Um, it's a good show. I mean, John Macaluso, CEO, who used to run a company called Wizard World. Those are all the shows I used to do. Yeah, it used to be he, big in Wizard World. Yeah, and uh, so he stepped out, and he's doing his own pandemic tour. And uh, so he's the CEO of this one. That's why I'm friends with John. And, um, you know, I, I like working with him, and he really is an on-hands CEO guy. I did a Sacramento show. I was there two days early, and we had a stuff. We didn't have to. There was about 500 lunch boxes that needed to be stuffed full of equipment. So I took charge in that and uh, worked for about two, three hours sweating. And he was too. And I was stuffing boxes not with 100 other volunteers. And they thought it was the coolest thing because I don't feel I'm above that. I just wanted to help out. I was there. I was like, you want to go back to your hotel? And I was like, no, dude, let's just keep busy. So I was stuffing boxes and really just trying to help him out a little bit. But I think it's cool for those volunteers to see someone do that kind of stuff. And that's what John does. Like, as a CEO, I mean, this, this dude's a rich dude. He don't need to do anything, but that's what he does, and that's what I love about it. And even with Haim Saban, who owns Power Rangers, I will say he's a billionaire. This dude don't need to work his whole entire life, but he will come to set on Power Rangers. He will make sure that those Rangers are everything that he promised the world to be. Even though he sold it to Hasbro, he's still mentoring them how for the brand. And I respect people that might not never have to work to do the groundwork that anyone could do. And that's why when I go to iFly, people are like, what do you go there for? I, yeah, maybe a shift a week, maybe a shift every two weeks. doesn't matter. I love just being just, I wouldn't say normal, but I love just going in and cleaning goggles and spraying the helmets. And when I did FITP, I wanted to make sure I went through everything, what they went through. It was three weeks. It was hard. Nighttime, during Comic-Cons. I just don't like things handed to me, I guess. And even though you know, it's like, well, you're really not an instructor, but I never said I was going to teach you anyway, so don't come ask for me for help. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I do it because I like cleaning goggles, helmets, and working with people and first-timers. And, and people at my school, Nicole, who's a lower rank, can still teach people. You know, when you're at a certain rank, you can still mentor other people. I never said, I hold sit camps too. Never said I was the best thing. Just go have fun. 99 bucks, dude. You get 30 minutes of flying. Like, who's going to complain? Just go and have fun. It's one of those things where people don't look at it like that. Like, well, who's teaching me? Said, I never said I was teaching you. never said I was coaching you. can't even get coaching. I'm too busy. But the point is, I like to have that for myself. You know what I mean? Like, you look and you're like, what, a $9 hour job? People look and it's like, this is what you do now? And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't care. I have a lot of money. I, <laughs> you think I need to go and get a $9 hour job? It's not about that. It's because you see me God. in there. Do you, are you ever inclined to take offense to that when someone said, this is what you do now? Uh, you know, I, I don't. Well, I, only, I, I only have that thought because I know you personally and yeah. know how hard you work and yeah. how hard you are hustling it's funny. all the time. I used to be very like, oh, God, I hope someone don't recognize me. Think, But people know me already. They're like, dude, I follow you. So people see I have schools and, you know, and, I, and, and how successful I am. And they probably don't even question me. There were a few people that say that. And I just say, yep. <laughs> Ready to hit the wind? I don't even argue no more. I don't, because Let's you know go. what? Dude, all those people I work with up there are just like me anyway. I've just become one of them. And I told someone the other day, but I fly, I forgot my wallet. I don't like asking people for stuff. And I went in there and I told all the guys, dude, I was so hungry, man. I wanted to shake. They're like, you should have told me. I was like, now I know what it's like to be broke for six hours. That was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. I was hungry. Dude, I wanted to shake. I had this thought earlier. And I was like, I, your life is so different than most people's lives. Yeah. I wonder how... 
Like, I wonder if how, how well you understand how different your life is. I don't like, think what, so, dude. What, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. You know, the people I know, the people I know, like I, you know, like I know, you know, like my life is very strange. I talked to Sammy the Bull today, who's like this big time mafia guy who who's talking about movie stuff. I got random friends. I got yeah. I look at my life and I just it's just like a circus show, man. Like people are like who'd you talk to today, Sammy the Bull? Who'd you talk to this person? And then to the to the uh, random people, you know what I mean? But I love everyone the same. Like, you know, Stephen who works at iFly, he wrote my book that we're releasing called uh, The Black Dragon about an autistic kid. Who, Stephen uh, and his girlfriend, right? Yeah, Tiffany. Tiffany they wrote yeah. that book. And, you know, man, I, I don't take offense to that about this is what you do now because I'm pretty proud of the whole team, you know what I mean? And I kind of stand up for them, you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but that job ain't paying a tire on my Mercedes. I'll tell you that, <laughs> you know, every time I go there, I like buying things for people. So you can't take that away from someone who's passionate about what they want to do. And that's just one thing with, with, um, with I fly, I like it. And, and that's any skydiving too. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah. Packers. I don't want to pack. Okay. But other than that, though, we're all the same, right? We mm -hmm. all, we all, we all there for one reason to jump. And we have all these different people that could be rich and could be famous and might not have money, but we all get along. I've never, ever been screwed in the skydiving business or the wind tunnel people, screwed by more people outside of the real world that aren't skydivers and wind tunnel people. Yes, we fight and there's things, but overall screwed where I can look and say, dude, that dude screwed me over. Now, if people only know each other in the skydiving world, you can disagree with me and say, no, no, plenty of people screwed me over. But I'm not in the just the skydiving world 100%. I'm only in there 10%. But those 10% of the people I know have never screwed me over, ever. And they're not, they're, you know, so we're there for one reason. We're there to jump. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and I think that's what I like about it. You meet random people. We're all there to save our lives. I don't care. You jump. See you later. You jump. We're all there for the same reason. Yeah. We can go out on a skydive and, and somebody's a janitor, somebody's a lawyer, somebody's a movie star, somebody's an engineer. It doesn't matter. In the sky, the wind is a great equalizer. Yeah. There's nobody special. There's nobody different. And, and, yeah, you're only in the sport for a small percentage. And, yes, there are skydivers who will screw each other over, but it is such a small percentage, man. It's usually only uh, girls involved. <laughs> yeah, it really is, man. You know, it's the, the amount of people, if I went to almost any other sport and I left my wallet and my bag and my phone and everything laying out the way we do in a packing room and the way we do in a drop yeah. zone, things get stolen left and right. Yeah. But yet at a drop zone, man, the, the people, the family, and everybody's the same. It, it, it's such a beautiful place to be. Just don't leave food out. Don't leave food. Oh, no. That is one thing. Food is <laughs> well, not yeah, that's, safe around that's skydivers. All. That's all. That's a, that's a given. <laughs> I think we're the yeah. worst of it, though. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, like, I, I know everyone's got locks, and I haven't had a lock for years, man, so don't go steal my locker now. But I'm just saying it's one of those things I always felt safe, and it's one of those things where I feel safe to be me around you guys, you know, and, yeah. and maybe it's not like, you know, not everyone wants to hear the drama and the, and the this and the that, but that's, that's the, I have only a very small limited of things that I like to keep for myself, you know what I mean? And the skydiving is, I love sharing it with the world, but when I'm there, it's like, it's this little piece that sometimes I get greedy and I don't want to share that, you know what I mean? Like outside, I want to share it to the world and let people know what we're doing, but certain, that certain group and that circle we have, we all have the same thing in common. Black belts are black belts. 
I hate saying this, but when people have tattoos, they have tattoos. It's like you give, you, for real, you have a Harley, you have a Harley, you give a Harley wave, you give a Harley wave. My dad's a trucker. I get along with all truckers. So in every industry, you connect somehow. In the skydivers, we all connect. And that's what I wish upon anything, my karate school. You better be there to train karate. Don't ask me no Power Ranger questions. I will be a jerk. I will be hardcore. That's You're going to get beat up on the mat because you're too focused on this and that. You could be a fan, but that's like in the middle of a skydive. You guys are probably good enough to, you know, talk and stuff, but we got to focus, and that's what I like about the school too. But if you're coming to the school to meet me or meet something, you're going to be disappointed because you need to come to the school to become a black belt. Go to skydiving to enjoy the free fall, and then, you know, the new people are going to enjoy really good humble people and you'll meet the other people anyway who's got egos and that's in all sports not just this it's all sports do, do you feel like there's a similar sense of like trust in the martial arts community i do for black belts for black belts of people that black are black belts made only it. people that are made it because we have to we have to think about this this is a good example of what you just said i have an unlocked locker now let's unlock that locker and invite 400 tandems in that room that we don't know. They're skydivers, but they're tandems. Can we trust those people? Do they have the values that we hold? No. That's why our lockers are with who we are. That locker room is a black belt room. We have a black belt room, and then we have another room for other people. Because the black belt room, is it, that's the locker room. So sometimes when they don't let people, I don't know if y'all let tandems to hang out in there or what. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's a real comfortable. It's like, so I would say black belts. True black belts. Not a black belt that got 18 months. Yeah, You don't have my respect for that. That's like a 50 jumper that you're talking about. You know what I mean? Holding the camera. I don't have respect for that. If you've trained longer than five years and you received the black belt and you can show me that in your heart, then that's fine. And that's another thing with Van Damme is that there's no personal record. He's gone to, I think, second-degree black belt. I've talked to Chuck Norris extensively about this conversation. Chuck has the same experience with with this whole Van Damme thing and Seagal and all this other stuff. And why I look at Chuck or George St. Pierre is because this uniform, you know, George St. Pierre came to, uh, I think, Montreal and wanted to meet Chuck Norris. And Chuck said, come in the room, Jason. And I got video. I didn't post it. But talk about embarrassing, dude. Like, the whole time, Chuck Norris was really bragging on me to this world champion. That's like, let me give you an example of... Are you telling me that Chuck Norris is talking you yes, up dude. to George St. <laughs> yes. Yes. My, my yes. mind, my mind would explode. Dude, dude, I was like, I was like, oh, I was so embarrassed. I really was. That's like me coming in here and, you know, and, and just, you know, having two or three high experienced skydivers where they're just bragging about how great I can hook turn and how great I can do this. I'm like, guys, I got 1,400. You're talking to guys that have like... 50,000 jumps, 20,000, 10,000 jumps. Yeah, he's a very, he, Chuck loves me and I love him too. But I was, I was quite uh, like, okay, man, <sighs> nice to meet you type of thing, you know? And, uh, but he's just a good guy. And so there's a lot, you know, and, and Chuck and George St. Pierre in the same room. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was quite different. I felt very, very flushed and red and like, okay, shh, not to George. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was GSP, man. Great guy. And what I mean by that is that these guys are true martial artists. They, you know, they don't have their egos. They're not from the hood. They're not, you know, hood talking on the on the MMA stuff. They're good, genuine uh, karate people. And even when you bash talk George St. Pierre, he'll give you, you know, the, the respect. And I love it. And um, so that's the point about Van Damme, about not being a legit black belt. Nobody respects him as a black belt. 
any black belt around the world don't respect him as a black belt. He can do those so, splits though. Yeah, he can do good stuff. And I was a big fan of his. Yeah. And and you could trick the you could trick the world just like I tricked the skydiving world by having all my brand new stuff at that time being on the airplane and people are like, Hey, can you check this? And I'm like, What are they what am I looking at? Their butt or like what? After <laughs> after a while they're like, uh, you need to check the pen. I said, The pen looks fine. You know what you're checking for? I'm like, they're asking me. You're good. You're good to go. Oh yeah, I need to check the pen. I got you. I get That's you what now. you mean. I thought you wanted me to look at your butt or something. Check, smack him on the butt. You're looking good, man. With <laughs> skydiving in in the martial arts world, you, you kind of make a good analogy for it. And in skydiving, if you're jumping out there and you're more worried about getting to know the people, if you're more worried about to hear and see what the people are doing, then you're there for the wrong reasons. Focus on the sport. Focus on improving. Focus on getting better. And definitely enjoy the camaraderie. The fellowship is yeah. really a big part of it. You know. I, People, I'm sure, are sick of hearing me say it, but I came for the skydives. I stay for the skydivers. And if you show a commitment to skydiving long enough, you'll prove that you're a skydiver. And once you're a skydiver, man, it's some of the dorkiest, goofiest people in the world are some of my coolest friends yeah. because they're just them. They have nothing to prove. Yeah, exactly right. They have nothing to be. They just be them. Yep. And, and that's what makes you you. Yeah. And that's why we like you. Yeah. Some of the most abrasive people, I like them because they're naturally them. Trent Alcock. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. Trent. He's a good dude. I, he always down to jump with me, man. I always like that about Trent. Always just, you know, and, 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 and I like, I, I respect all you skydivers. You to everybody. I go to the town, I respect skydivers like they're on, on a pedestal. I just got to make sure some of them are safe with none. And the ego thing, but I respect everybody. Like I would, I can't show anybody anything. You all teach me so much. There's so much to learn. And I love that about you're always there to, even you, even there's plenty of times you're like, I'm working and everybody knows you work like crazy, but you'd always take time out. If I wanted to jump and say yes, you know, you would take the time out to do it. But train is a cool dude. One of my favorite things about training with you and working with you, I, you, you, legally now you have to do some type of canopy training to get your B license. And I do canopy courses for that training. And uh, you already had a license, so you didn't necessarily need, by yeah. uh, by any definition, this canopy training. But you chose to do it anyways. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about your training is you were so quick to say the most underused words in the English language. I don't know. Yeah. Man, it it's is. true. I, I mean, Here we are back in the days when we talk about all these horrifying things. We, we didn't... I, I didn't have the patterns, left hand, right hand. I don't care what anyone says. And we pulled on. We didn't track. We pulled. I mean, three, you know what I mean? I've jumped with the Jim Wallace team. We would pull. So there was a lot of things that I didn't know. And it was, again, a humbling thing where they're like, oh, you're D-licensed. You can do this. And I was like, I just choose to do what Tammy did because I want to go back because I could still learn from your course. You know what I mean? And uh, that's uh, that's I did say that a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I still say I don't know. Dude, I think it's super good when people admit that they don't know. I oh God, it. yeah. Like, you know, you know when let's say you introduce any idea to somebody and they just pretend to know. Yeah. And then just like this kid you brought up in the Comic Con who said he was a skydiver, <laughs> and then you ask him any questions yeah. to see what sort of information this person has, and then they flop. Like yeah. that's a super embarrassing moment to be the. I would much rather say, "Hey, I don't know," yeah. than to try and like fake my way through it and get called out on it because. Yeah. Now, not only is it obvious that you don't know, but it's obvious that it's like, man, this person can't even be trusted because they're not being honest about, about know, this dude. important information that they're missing. So I, I would like to think that I'm the sort that would admit to, to not knowing a thing. Oh, you always been, I mean, you, you like when I talk to you, you always seem to, to, to have not that know. quality. No, not to <laughs> know. But I mean, to be honest, dude, like I'm just one of those, 
skydivers where you know plenty of times in florida i remember one time in florida jumping it was kind of kind of rain a little bit i was off track i came over a cemetery i i didn't really have necessarily a Titus plan I, I don't know but i went over a cemetery in florida somewhere and then i went over the street and i just barely came over the fence and i flared and i landed and people were like oh good and i was like <laughs> Thank God, you know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where, you know, and and, and uh, I'm not afraid to say, you know, one of the, I, I have the tunnel rats uh, I started and I got a big canopy, a brand new one. I haven't jumped yet. I know it's going to happen. <sighs> that guy landed off tunnel flyers. You know, so I'm like <laughs> stressful flying a tunnel canopy now because there's been times where I did land off the drop zone. And I don't know if you all know the story, but I don't know whatever happened. There's a couple other people landed off. I landed way out there, guys, like, I know it make your canopy course look bad. It wasn't your fault. It was my fault. I don't know what happened, but I landed way out there. I don't know if you remember, but I landed like way. It was like a mile away, dude, a mile and a half away. It was just way out there. I landed in these houses. All right, I got on video. I landed in these houses, and you know, I, I picked my, you know, where I'm going to land, and it was great. And it wasn't really that windy of a day, so I wasn't really too picky downwind or you know, uh, landing into the wind or whatever. So I landed safely. And I remember a car drove by, a girl, and I had my canopy. I'm sweating. It's hot. And I'm walking. And this girl, no lie, walks down. And she goes, oh, my God, are you the Green Ranger? <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And I'm hoping she would give me. She rolls the window down. She says, kids, look, say hi to Tommy. And I said, hey, hey, guys, how are you? And they say, hi. She rolled up her windows and left. Yes. <laughs> Dude. That woman is my hero. Dude. That's and I was like. Green Ranger don't like you kids. <laughs> Left me. Man, and I went, she, she, goes, did, she didn't even ask to take a selfie first? Dude, she didn't even ask me to get right of the drop zone. She, I was like, yeah, I was giving her hints. I landed way off. I'm so out here. You know, I'm walking, and I was trying to give her all the hints possible. Then another guy picked me up. I'll give you a ride. You don't know who I was, a Texas guy, spitting tobacco. So I'm in the back of the thing, and I'm getting that. You know, I'm getting the spit. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of like just riding in this little where the wind is just, you know, like, curled up in this window just sitting there thinking the whole time you know just flashbacks say hello to tommy tommy bye bye <laughs> bye Push, stuff spitting at me i'm like oh girl had a nice car and there was only two people in the back and I could, anyway so yeah i i will be the first to admit to say what happened to that one i don't know maybe she was just so just star struck that she couldn't think to give you a ride or she was just, dude she was probably just in a rush I don't know starstruck. I, if I was starstruck, I would definitely invite him in the car and be like stage five. Where are you going? I'll come sit down. I'll kill my car and be like, sorry, I ran out of gas. So what's going on? Hey, you know in that episode? Yeah. Trust me, creeper. Dude, I have to. Like sometimes I meet a lot of people. I'm a big and practical joker. Uh, I love that show. Like Jenna loves it. Tammy, everybody loves it. And I meet so many people, but I met them at the Colorado. And I had to catch myself of doing standard stuff, what everyone else tells me when i'm in the green room like in the green room you're supposed to just let them be you know what i mean it's your quiet mm -hmm. time you're out there and you're signing so in the green room it's pretty quiet but i find myself saying oh it's nice to meet you so in that one episode when i'm like oh my god I sound like you know so the one episode was that a real when you were doing and and jenna's texting me like don't fangirl out i usually don't but i just love that show so much but uh anyway yeah <laughs> I, when you're excited, your daughter's I guess. telling you to not be a fangirl. Yeah. That's what's so happening. So I, I make it worse. I make it worse. I, I let her think that you know. I, I lead her into this whole. I gotta text this person, and I gotta. He's not getting back to me. And she, I'll do it on purpose, so she's like, "Oh my god, you're stage five, you know." So it's pretty <laughs> fine. I meet a lot of people, and to be honest, I treat them all equal. If they're nice to me, they're nice. If they're not, they're not. John Berthenall, who plays Punisher, 
good friend of mine, good dude. I've only seen one episode of Punisher, and he's in The Walking Dead. He plays Shane. Uh, really nice guy. Dave Batista, who got offered Bloodshot, which Vin Diesel's doing the movie now. But all these guys I get along with, and if they're not... Isn't Dave Batista that wrestler guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, Galaxy, Galaxy, the Guardian of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Michael Rooker, all these guys. But we work together all the time. That's like you guys at a skydiving drop zone. We might not hang out often because you're packing, you're on a thing, and you're doing your stuff, but the, it's still there. You know, we can yeah. chat a little bit. and t- That's how it is in the green room, really. We just know all the names are from Michael Rooker. Hey, what's going on? I'll text people outside a little bit here and there. But it's just the work environment. It's the, it's the, the green room uh, the green room chat, you know, that sometimes we don't talk in a green room, but it's fine. I talk. Man, we got to uh, start wrapping up here a little yeah. bit. Before we do that, I want to mention a few other things. Uh, you have uh, fan, what is it again this weekend? Pandemic. Pandemic. Pandemic tour. But then I believe maybe April, you have the Power Morphin Con Express in Pasadena, California. Yep. Uh, not California, but Texas. Yep. We, That's a new thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny because it actually started in Pasadena, California. The show started in a small town, Pasadena, Power Morphicon. It's a Power Ranger event only. It's like it's Comic-Con. If you love Power Rangers, and uh, it's all Power Ranger stuff. Who makes props? The writers, the actors. There's a big show in Anaheim now. It wasn't Pasadena. It's in Anaheim. I was so busy there. Oh, my gosh. It was nuts. I mean, we closed at 6, and I signed till like 10. Hardcore, 15,000 people showed up. And so we're doing... The Expresses, so that's going to be in Pasadena, Texas, actually the first show that I'll be the promoter on, but I'll also be starring in it. But the as far as being a, a promoter, uh, April April 6th and 7th in Pasadena. But I got ideas how to be different than most Comic-Cons. I'm going to give back to community. I'm going to get, raise money for charity. I'm going to make all the other Rangers. Yeah, they're probably not watching this. I'm going to make all the other Rangers do things for charity. That's just the way it's going to be. So I want it to be like when Power Morphicon comes into your town, the Power Rangers are there to help little Joey get a kidney that no one can can help him with. You know, do fundraisers like that. Yeah. Pick things in their town. Like people that, you know, skydivers all the time, we, we get things, hey, you know, help here, help there. And I usually do. I usually do, you know, help when I can because skydivers, I mean, sometimes we might not have all the money, but I but our, our, think our, the words and the encouragement mean a lot more than that. You know, just reaching out. Look what happens when someone passes away. Everyone gets together, man, and you feel it. You know, we all feel the a brother in the skydiving. No matter what happens, we yeah. all feel it. Even if even if something happened outside of the skydiving world, we're all there to help each other out. And that's what I want Power Morphicon to be. And it's less inexpensive. You know, you might live in the Texas area, and it's not going to be the whole cast. Power Morphicon is everybody that worked on the show. Hundreds of people. Hey, man, remember me? And I'm like... No. <laughs> man, I, I was in front of the camera. You realize that, right? Because the, the voice actors, we don't see. The voice actors that do act the, the monster voices, we don't see. You're in a booth. Like, I'm the guy on television, so I don't see a lot of voice actors, unfortunately. And there's over 100 and something Power Rangers. And um, wow, 25 years, never been off the air. So I don't even know how many episodes. Fans will correct me, but 800, I don't know. It's just never been off the air. Can you believe that? It's been on the air every year, and it hasn't turned syndication. It's been a network show every year for 25 years. The people that thought Power Rangers stopped, we never stopped. It was on the air every single year. Really? hasn't even turned syndicated yet. And it's really been longer than that. I, it's I, You know this story is when 
Power Rangers came out in America, I was about 19. You were 19. Right, right. right. So uh, Power Rangers, I grew up in Japan to the original Power Rangers. And the first show, the first season, I don't know if you ever watched it, Nick. Yeah, I watched it. I was uh, quite a bit younger than you, gentlemen. But uh, when it showed the Power (laughs) Rangers in their outfit and everybody else, it was a very different quality of video. And then when it showed the American kids out of out of outfit, the quality was different. So I immediately like, man, these kids are a bunch of posers, bro. These guys, man, they're they're buying this. I grew up on this stuff, man. This ain't right. Well, it's funny because the new episode just came out in Nickelodeon. I went back and I became the. Dr. Oliver, I was the White Ranger, Green Ranger. That just hit last week. Man. Uh Red Tur- Red Zeal Ranger. So I just 25 years later, you know. Jeez. But uh but yeah, the Japanese footage is even older than that. They have their own show like 40 years in Japan and that's what happened to Haim Saban. He went into a hotel. He had nothing to do. He killed time. He turned on this silly television show and he said, "I want to buy that those rights. I'm going to bring that to America." And he tried Time after time after time, like 10 years to sell the show, and everybody said it's a garbage idea. You'll never sell it. You'll never sell it. You'll never sell it. When we got on the show at Fox, we did 40 episodes. Everybody laughed. Everybody laughed. Ha ha, show sucks. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And we all believed, and it became, and Heim told me that he wants to make Power Rangers a household name. That's, that's a big thing to make a household name around the whole entire world. Even if you haven't seen it, you're probably like, yeah, I heard of Power Rangers. I haven't seen it, but I've heard. And he has made it a household name around the whole entire world. I tour around the whole world. The only place I don't get love, Japan, where that original show is. Poser. It posers. People <laughs> are probably like, ah, oh, that's not the real Green Ranger. But that's it. Other than that, around the whole entire world it plays. I can go on tour anywhere and people heard about it, which is, which is amazing. And that's cool. It's kind of like skydiving. No matter where you are in the world, you can hit wind. Right? Yeah. Except Cayman Islands. I don't think they have a drop zone over there. Really? No. Gosh, I went there I, and I they didn't have every one. beautiful island place uh, had at least a 182 operation. No, even uh, we had a gal who just got her license in Spaceland from Bahama. And she's come back from Bahama oh, yeah. uh, because she can't skydive there. Uh, the folks who run Skydive the Gulf out in Alabama, uh, a guy named Jake Strain is one of the owners from Oklahoma, also runs Skydive Virgin Islands. But it is only seasonal. It's oh, on two different right. islands there. And it's a tandem operation. Yeah. It's a fun jumper. You can't really skydive there. The um, Pepe thing you sent me, the Pepe Islands. Yeah, yeah. That's Panama. off. That, it's that off. It's done. Off. That's a bummer. I just, yeah, I've been talking ever since you told me. I, I DJ like, hey, I figure he's this encyclopedia. So where can I go in the boogies? And I know Puerto Rico's got one. And then you told me about the, I think Pepe Island. If, if I pronounce it right, and yeah, I, yeah. as soon as I inbox them, oh, it looks great. What can we do? Sorry that the that's off. I think there's some lawsuits pending or whatever. And I still said, is there any way? I can still come, and he says, "Yeah, we can get a bunch of people together and you know do a little thing." But hey, I think we should just move to the Cayman Islands, open a drop zone. I mean, anywhere that why has is it like silent charters, uh, I'm coming. <laughs> no, any, anywhere that has like chartered tourist helicopter flights, can't you, do it. You rent those out, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah dude. It, it's like anything. I have a uh, classic car, and we were at a car show at some point, and the president of the Mustang Club of Houston comes up and is like, hey, bro, while you were grabbing lunch, somebody came and asked about your car, and they wanted to buy it. And I told him, that's your life dream car. You've been dreaming of buying this car for 20 years. You finally have it. It's not for sale. Uh-uh, bro, it's for sale. No, it's not for sale. I'm like, dude, everything has a price. <laughs> if he's going to pay me enough, <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Do you, ha- you have the uh, classic car that you brought into uh you said you do, or someone else have it? No, I have a car. Yeah, you've never seen that car. 
Uh, I've heard about it. I'm building a 1963 Lincoln Continental suicide doors. Nice. (laughs) Brand new Coyote motor I'm putting in there. Oh. Yeah, dude. Just everything. It's going to be like a brand new car, but it's just going to give the... Do I got to come see this? Is it it your house right now? No, no. It's being built. uh, R&B Choppers is building my dad's bike. He's got a... A fifty, uh, you know, fifty pan, seventy shovel mix, and it's a chopper. And when Dang. mom passed away, he brought it up here to give it to me because he put it on blocks in '74. I was born in '73, so I'm just rebuilding it. And he's rebuilding it. it's turning out super awesome, super long chopper with the suicide shifter. Oh Lord, good luck, dude. Yeah, that one that you gotta be gangster to drive that. I'm gonna be like. Anyway. Dude, where where is this place you're getting this built at? Uh, it's in Houston called RB Choppers, and he's actually building a car. So he's building a, a really nice car for the owner of Patron. Uh, he's he's a really great builder, man. He builds cars and bikes, and uh, he's he's really great. So that's being built just in Houston. I'm in no rush for that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I work so much. I hardly put any miles on my car. I got to get back and to do the things that I love because I've just been on tour for the past five years. And, You've been crushing you know, it. And yeah, man. But I, I got to take time to... To come back and do that's why I asked you about the boogies because I'm scheduling and all that stuff next year and crossing off the comic cons just because I got a, a I've a, every weekend I'm at 12 weekends in a row already on comic cons and I still got another wow. six, six weekends in a row so it's uh it's it takes all my energy to be here the whole entire time and I've set expectations like you have you set expectations in your canopy course right who sets them? I mean, I mean, Val might slap you on the hand a little bit, but you set your expectations. You set your expectations so high. So when you slack, people might not know, but you know. And I've set my expectations so high for the purpose of I can't slack at the Comic-Cons. I've set it too high. I got I to gotta, I gotta match it every time. I'm thinking, who set the rules? I did because it, it keeps me to where I need to be because I don't have a boss. I'm my own boss. I don't need to be here. I don't need to do Comic Cons. I don't. Tammy's the boss. Well, they, yeah. <laughs> well, no one's here. We're the guys. And like he said, girls cause all the problems in the skydiving world. <laughs> anyway, so it's a man cave. I'm sure there's no girls out there listening. I'm good to go. <laughs> Man, I got a quick question <sighs> yes. for you. You're getting a nice paint job on that, Lincoln. Yes. Do have you ever heard of ceramic coating? Ah, uh, no. Dude, Justin and I both just had our car co- our cars coated. Uh, this company called the Good Guys Detail. Uh, the Good Guys they ceramic coated our cars. Um, do when it, you put Rain-X on your windshield, right? Yeah. When it rains on my car, it looks like Rain-X is over my entire car. Oh, Water beads off. You know the drops on how nasty that parking lot is? Yeah. If you've been there after one rainstorm, how does your car look? Oh, yeah, God. I Dude, hate driving on that road. <laughs> man, my car, I drive it to the drop zone every day. It looks like it's still been cleaned. I can go three Dang. or four weeks without washing the car, dude. Def- Which is huge in Texas. It's super I, huge. I would dude. say in L.A., uh, you're wasting your time because you could always keep a car clean in L.A. Because it don't because rain. Because there's blue skies all the time here. Yeah. yeah. You definitely need something like that in Houston because I'm, I'm a car clean freak type of guy. To be yeah. honest, and you can't keep a car clean, so I've just accepted. Dude, it. if you want to keep your car clean, seriously, these these folks that did Justin and I's car, the good guys detail, check them out. Uh, Andres's name, his number Sweet. is five one two seven four nine nine zero eight seven. See how we sneak that in That's there? Right. That's and Andreas right. will actually do color correction right now. If you book before September thirtieth, fifty percent off all paint corrections, scratches, swirls, everything that happens to your car when you wash it. $350 off any uh, ceramic coating, uh, and all these have to be booked before September 30th. You have to mention clouds because of all the rain we've had lately. He's kind of right. using that for a boost. <laughs> or GLR. Mention yeah, either nice. one of those codes when you're contacting Andre at 512-749-9087. 
or check out the good guys detail TX on Facebook and he will hook you up, dude. He does it well. I need to introduce you guys. Nice. He's a skydiver. He's a huge fan of uh, both Gravity Lab, but even more particularly you. And he is mobile throughout Texas. Oh, so you go to a Comic-Con, you drive up there, you drop him your keys, he washes your car, he runs in, drops your keys back off to you, takes off. He you details and everything. Does, uh, dude, you name it's it, so dude. funny because two days ago, I had this conversation with someone I cannot find. I'm so busy. I cannot find people to detail my cars. I know that sounds like, oh, Jason, you have some more, more things to worry about. Dude, my time is so like, like it, it's it's crazy. I mean, we got 86,400 yeah. seconds a day, and I can't even find. So if, it's funny because it sounds like a total plug, right? We're talking about cars. <laughs> we You're reading this. Nick's like, hey, do you all plan this? I don't, but I definitely need someone. So I'm going to have to take you up on that. that color correction's legit. I bought that Jeep brand new from the dealership. I didn't realize everything it had on it until he did the correction. It's like a mirror polish. It's insane. Dang. Dude, so I, it goes over. It's like a. So it's not like a wrap. It's like goes no. over your paint like a Rain-X on like your paint. It's like an extra clear coat. Oh, perfect. Okay. I yeah, know what you're exactly what you're talking about. What about the little rocks that hit it? Is it going to crack it? It doesn't crack the. Uh, first of all, the coating uh, is there for a, a few years easily. And it actually helps protect from those chips. It, it will not completely protect it. Yeah, dude. But like I, rocks on my done. paint, forget it. They definitely deflect uh, better. Actually, I was driving home from uh, doing water training today, mm-hmm. and some dude with some landscaping trailer was just throwing pebbles all over that the road. Dude, all the like, time in man. Texas. Why does that happen here in LA? That doesn't really happen. Dude. Texas, it happens all the time. I broke so many windshields here. Yeah. Yeah, it, man, 288, my windshield is tore up. Dude, it, it kill, kills it, but that ceramic coating protects my windshield, my paint. It's all much I'm better. I'm going to get it done. I need that info, dude. Trust me, I'm sold on that. Dude, I'll hook you up with him. You know, the, the, the windshields are like, you know, in a regular car, but that G-Wagon I have, the windows are like this, oh, so it's yeah, creating all that drag. <laughs> dude, and it's like everything you hit, it just breaks. There's no, it doesn't like bounce off your windows. I have. I'm just to the point where I'm like, okay, it's it's like wearing those helmets that I have. That the, the you know, it's just dirty. Like sometimes people are clean your helmet. I'm just used to my helmet's dirty, dude. Yeah. I just get used to kind of seeing through this. When I clean it, I'm like, whoa, you know. So, but um, it's funny because I used to wear the tinted visors in the tunnel, and I don't know if you don't have a tinted visor. There's no. I, I had one for a bit, but it was actually flying in the tunnel with a tinted visor. That is like, okay, I'll never do this again. Yeah, it's fly, flying with other people who are wearing a tinted visor. So it's like, man, that eye contact, being able to read yeah. somebody's face, yeah. is a huge thing. And like I say, but for looks, I used to, I used to think that was cool. The mirrored one I used to yeah. have, but yeah, it's just, you know. I mean, it's cool if you guys wear it because I can see my reflection because you know that's really cool. <laughs> but when I'm wearing, I'm just yeah, you I'm just so want to see it. you, so man, it. Jason. I can't thank you enough for coming and hanging yeah, out with I us. I had a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun, dude. We invited you, or, or you, when, when we first started the show, Nick and I did the first episode, and, and immediately I made a list, and you were very quick on that list, and I mentioned it to you once. And man, a year and a half later, you were at the drops and like, yo, bro, how's that show going? Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? I still see you're doing it. Hey, let me come hook up. And we were supposed to do this previously, but I dropped the ball. You sent me your schedule. Yeah. I never got back to you and uh, asked you a second time, man. And, and that goes back to the commitment you have to your friends, oh, the yeah. commitment you have to your fans, man. So much respect for what you do for people. Thanks. And I really mean it. I, I look to you regularly as inspiration. You might Thank remember you. right behind you is a doll. 
uh, your Jesus Den Tap doll that you sent oh, that you gave. Yeah, me. dude, yeah, that thing, that up. thing, that uh, <laughs> that doll on there goes for like eight hundred to a thousand dollars now on eBay. Man, put that thing. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. no, no, bank. no. Listen up. This is the deal. You, you sell it for a thousand. You give him two hundred and fifty dollars cash, and you can buy an autograph from Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes. No, Dude. but that's so crazy. You you had that, and I I do watch your guys' show. You know, I'll, I'll put it on, and I, you know, I used to just press a lot of buttons to irritate y'all to see if I was there. Like, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me. You know, like, and you realize yeah. we don't pay attention. Yeah, then I was like, okay, whatever. But then you had someone you on. See it right now? It's going nuts. Is it? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. we got to two hundred something. We got up almost to three hundred. Okay, and you had uh, uh, Scott Ever on here, and I just tuned it in where he was talking about uh, being an athlete, and you guys, ah, it's not really an athletic type of sport or whatever. But I, I do think that we're all athletes, disciplined and mentally. Because if you don't have that athlete mentality, regardless of how your body's chiseled and what we do, it's an athlete mentality that I think that we all have. And I think sometimes people think that like athletic, cut, chiseled, but an athletic attitude is what we all have. And that's why you guys are here is because what you do and what you do, you're everybody's skydiving out there, but especially teaching people, it's, you know, you guys are saving lives and putting your own lives, I'd say, at risk, but you will put your own life at risk to save one of your students if you had to, or just say, peace out, 5,500. Full time. <laughs> you know, but, but um, and we do have that athletic uh, discipline, I think, of, um, of any other athlete. You know, it might not be as rough, but it is tough on shoulders. It is tough on, you know, all that stuff. But yeah. I, I don't think an athlete was... Uh, you know, a, a chisel athlete. I, I think it's, uh, you know, when I yeah, saw that. T- tunnel athletes and skydiving athletes, it's not when you think of like a track athlete right. or an MMA athlete. Sure, it's it's not as physically demanding of a sport, yeah. but there's still there's still definitely a skill set. It's, it's right here, totally, and it's in your brain. And think about the, the, the your, your mindset. There's, you know, Sam Hoger who jumped with me. We had a little thing, and he had a fighter, and I, I was up there, and he's like, oh, man, you work here? I said, no, and I was on the airplane, and he came down, and he's like, dude, I'm scared. I ain't got no balls. I'd rather fight in the cage than do this. Ooh. You know, so the mentality mindset that you guys have to do such a, I wouldn't say uh, an extreme. Everyone always thinks an extreme or this adrenaline rush. I, do you think that is the extreme and adrenaline rush is why you do this? Or well, is that you know, I really think that most people who are you know, captivated by skydiving. I think that that's the initial appeal is this crazy feeling, this crazy sensation, this overwhelming, you know, sensory experience that's just really incomparable to anything else. I think that that's what grabs you. But the the people who are really good at skydiving, becoming a, you know, a skilled flyer, those people are relaxed. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I notice it personally. And I think about it like you hear about, you know, shooting a gun. And yeah. when, when you're actually under pressure that you're that you're, you shoot about half as good as you would when you're relaxed yeah. i think the same thing is totally true for flying i think yeah. I, I fly about 50 percent of what i'm actually capable of yeah. when i'm really nervous on a jump so the the people that do well um relax so i don't think of skydiving as an adrenaline sport right. as odd as it sounds to me it's just you know some people get on a bicycle some people step into a, an mma cage mm-hmm. some people ride skis down a mountain that's just where our sport starts is jumping yeah. out of an airplane and for people that are new to that yeah there's a crazy adrenaline rush and it's super cool mm-hmm. or when something new or different or scary happens and you get that adrenaline rush that yeah. can be uh, an enjoyable moment but I don't, I don't think most people who skydive as a sport would even call themselves adrenaline jumpers. yeah that's what i i have an issue too but i think it's that dopamine drip that dopamine drip that you know that 
I wouldn't say high, but it's funny because it's definitely satisfying. But but you know, it's funny with the shark. A shark is such a like a predator and a killer, and how the 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 whales. I got random stuff because I'm on flights all the time. But you know, you turn a shark upside down and it gets a yeah. dopamine drip and they freeze. That's how you yeah, kill like a shark. Yeah, like hypnotizes them, right? Yeah. Which so is if crazy. I get attacked by a shark, just roll them over. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. If you could practice that, that AFF rollover, yeah. yeah. Hey, you there you go. Hey, that's a that's a value you can set as like an extra. Hey, listen, this move I'm going to teach you could save your life not only here but in the ocean. If you let me tell shark. you why. <laughs> Check out this episode of Gravity Lab Radio, and you will see if you ever it, it could be true. Hook and block, and then flip. Three steps. (laughs) Oh, you've been paying attention, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, it could work. Man, Jason, thank you again for being here. Is there anything else? First of all, we've got to do this together again sometime. Yeah, it was fun. I love it. And I love the skydiving community. I love watching you guys. I, you know, I I just, man, I'm, uh, I know, I don't know what camera angles y'all have and stuff, but your studio is really nice. Like, I've been to a lot of interviews before. I didn't expect. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe a cell phone. I mean, not not in a bad way, but you know, that's I how mean, we started. Yeah, but yeah. like I look at the studio and it looks really good. So I, I feel I feel at home with you guys, but also feel a, a sense of uh, professionalism here that that makes it even I think ten times better. You know what I mean? And uh, but yeah. you know what? It don't matter what you shoot on. It don't matter what you what how good your mics are. It's the content. And I think you guys are putting out good content, regardless if you're shooting with a, a red or you're shooting with an iPhone. It's the content. And that's what people love about your guys' show. Well, I just think it looks cool. We've had some good guests on here. Yeah. And no, I have. You're certainly yeah. added to the list. Oh, well, thank oh you. for we sure. appreciate having you, man. Appreciate it. Anything you want to share with your fans or our friends before we uh, cut off of here? Man, if, uh, if you live in the Houston area, check out uh, the Pandemic Tour this weekend, Spaceland, uh, Skydive Center. These guys, you can't go wrong up there. And then follow me on Instagram. JDFFFN uh, for Instagram, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and the YouTube page. Check out the Shattered Grid. The YouTube page has actually taken off finally after so many years. Uh, so you can subscribe to JDFFFN for the Power Ranger Marathon vlog. All you skydivers are like, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? <laughs> but uh, but check it out, though. I, I do got a lot of cool skydiver fans, too, that grew up watching me, which yeah. is which is really cool. So I appreciate you all out there. And uh Appreciate you guys watching. I had a lot of fun. I'd love to come back anytime. Man, I definitely got to share. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. October at Skydive Spaceland Houston is the Jump for the Rose Boogie. Yep. Uh, check out Jump for the Rose on Facebook. Jump for the Rose this year is raffling off a Jeep. A Jeep, uh, what kind of Jeep was that again? Patriot, maybe it was? Uh, somebody's got to uh, double check me there. But it I have a trackhawk, that's all I know. But they're, uh, they're <laughs> raffling off 500 tickets at $100 a pop to raise $50,000 for the Rose. The Rose is all about breast cancer treatment. So check out Jump for the Rose, Jump for the Rose org. They are gr- or dot org. They're great friends of ours. Uh, Marion Sparks has been on the show and shared nice. her story. It is a patriot. It is a patriot. So a hundred dollar raffle ticket. You can win a Jeep Patriot. Check it out. Uh, we'll share the link on the show notes. Uh, Justin will probably share it here in the uh, Facebook live feed. But yep. anything else you got, Mister P? Uh, two things. What we up? need to film a music video for J Money, and I got that. Oh, oh yeah. Money and I, got, I think about that every dude, time I, I hear that song. Dude. I have it still on my phone. <laughs> I still listen to it, and I fantasize about how hilarious it's going to be. Dude, to, we to need film, to do it. To we need it. to do it. We also need to film that Chuck Norris commercial that yes. we talked about. Yes, I, d- I did talk to Chuck and, and his wife, and um, 
I did tell them we're going to film it. I had a film crew before that I didn't really like that much. We talked about it. Those two things I definitely want to do. And it's funny you talk about Jay Money because the whole diss thing with the uh, Machine Gun Kelly and the Eminem thing. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, wrote, I wrote this big this big diss track that was like a poem from Jay Money. I was going to pull Jay. Jay Money is an alternate, you know, ego type of personality I have with with Stuart Aldo. Stuart Aldo Palatsky Sr. Jr. Yeah, I got him too. So, uh, But uh, I showed uh, uh, Nick one of my songs at Jay Money and I got Got that? Oh God! But I should, I should have sent that to Justin so we could. We could oh play please! <laughs> now that was in a, that was made on a, a cell phone. I had to wear like a mouth guard and uh, wrote some lyrics and did a beat and screamed in the uh, <laughs> 2015 baby. <laughs> that build up's way too long. This is made for a joke, guys. No, this is no, dead this serious. Is, this is for real. Uh, we gotta, this is legit. Anyway, we need to make that music video. Chuck <laughs> Norris. The Chuck Norris water. The G-Force water. Chuck has his own water. And I say about the G-Force water, the reason why we should do it is because all that money that he's raising, like you talked about, the, you know, the jump for the, for rose. jump for the rose. Fans can buy a ticket. I believe they don't have to be at the drop zone. That sounds silly, correct. right? You are so correct. So you could buy the ticket, get a chance to win. But what I love about the Chuck Norris water is that it's all for kids. That all that charity, all yeah. that money is for charity. It doesn't go to him. So he's like, I'm doing it for the kids. So Chuck Norris water. Who doesn't want to drink Chuck Norris water? And Chuck is the only guy in the world that has an official trademark on himself. And he was talking about his wife. And Chuck goes, See, Jason, something to look forward to. I said, Mr. Norris, only you can have a trademark name. And said, only you cannot be initialed. Who says CN? Nobody says CN. And Chuck Norris will always be Chuck Norris. He's too cool to even make initials. <laughs> man and but no lastly i do want to thank you for uh for being a guest on the oh, show thank you man and, uh, an just for, for being you man like you, you're, man. you're always a super genuine person i've appreciate only it. ever seen you do kind things even I to people who, who i've seen take advantage of you doing those kind yeah. things doesn't cease to make you do those kind things like i appreciate I, it, i've never seen your uh your kindness or charity be uh you know, taking down even a tiny peg, uh, regardless you. of how people treat you in return. So, uh, hu- huge thank you for just being you, man. Thank you. You're not going to sell my toy, are you? No, heck no. Well, dude. Nick is already. Nick's no, already. No, he th- no. See, he thinks you're thinking Jay Money. He's already listed that on eBay. When he went like this, he took a picture of it, blew it up, uh, framed it in. It's already listed on eBay. You can go to yeah, eBay. The, no, the, don't go to eBay. It's the not bidding on there. war has the begun. Bidding. No, man, that's kind of uh, a list of things I have mementos for, gifts from friends, special dude, things so I've cool. earned. It's so cool. That's it's there. Like, I have an autographed picture from you that's one of those we can't publish pictures. You know what I'm talking about? The one with the helmet? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just sitting that in the bookshelf over there. It's um, so cool, though. I only made 40 of those toys. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. That's crazy, though. Everything is, like, tattooed. Every tattoo is on that Dude, doll. it looks just so like crazy. you, man. It's so crazy. Anyway, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you have it still. Hey, sick tats, bro, by the way. Dude, did tattoos hurt? <laughs> did that hurt? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Dude, dude, how long did that, that take? That color is great, bro. What, is, what does your mom think? Do you wear sunblock? What are you going to do when you're old? That's awesome. Dude, my, I want How many tattoos you have? I want to get one. I just don't know what I'd get. What's your body percent of how many tattoos my you cousin have? has this one. Do you have roses? It's super crazy. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> Yo, guys and gals, we are off for the next two weeks. Uh, I'm out of town taking care of some business, uh, going to Skydive Spaceland San Marcos, helping them out. You may very well see me on Wazzy Circus Radio coming up in oh. two Shout weeks. Visit it out oh. to the yeah. mighty, mighty Waz. I like Waz. Till then, blue skies. Thank you, JDF. Thank you so much. We're I appreciate out. it. Thank you.